We have only 35 chambers. There is no 36. I know that. But I want to create a new chamber. What would that be? Mofax with Adam Curry for October 27th, 2021. This is episode number 69. I'm Adam Curry coming to you from the heart of Texas Hill Country, and it's time once again to get ready to spin the wheel of topics with here from Northern Virginia. Please, everybody, say hello to my friend on the other end, Mr. Mo Fax. How you doing, Adam? I am good, Mo. Good to hear from you. I'm a dog say- owner. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> and thank you for posting that picture of Rocco. Holy crap, what a beautiful dog. I appreciate that. Rocco is a superstar. Oh my uh, goodness, yes. <laughs> everywhere yes. he goes, like everybody even yeah, yeah everybody. Yeah. It's it's what we uh when we were when we were young we used to call that a chick magnet. Yes. Well I mean like he's a he's a he's a people magnet. Um Everywhere we go, it's like people ask, "How's Rocco doing?" Like, Aww. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Thanks for asking about my dog. <laughs> like, welcome to the club. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's where the the first thing your wife does when she comes home is uh, says hi to the dog. You're second now. It's uh, it's, it's, it's very very interesting how that works. <laughs> All right, should we give it a whirl? Please. All right, everybody. Time to spin it up. Here is that wheel of topics where it stops. Nobody knows. The only person who actually knows is Mo because he put another banger together for us. The topic of episode number 69 of Mo Facts with Adam Curry is... Operation Infection. Oh, are we going to the third rail, Mr. Mo? We are not going to talk about COVID. Okay. It's not a COVID show. Okay. Attention. Um, This is not a COVID show. I'm making that very clear. This is not a COVID show. We got what it. this is is we've danced around the 800 pound gorilla in the room. We've talked about uh, Tuskegee, not in detail, but we've talked about it. We've talked about even Henrietta Lacks. Mm-hmm. Indeed, they were saying we went there on the potluck with the 800 pound gorilla in the room of why I think so-called black people, the community, quote-unquote the community in big quotes, is AIDS. Uh, why Why the community is hesitant, you mean? Yes. Wow. This is uh, something uh, white America has not heard. AIDS. The way AIDS was handled, the way people perceive AIDS to be, and it's amazing I haven't heard anybody talk about this. Well, uh, it, except for uh, no agenda. <laughs> yeah, well, what I mean, the, of course, because, I mean. <laughs> because I have definitely made the comparison because it's the same damn people. Well, it's, and it's not really just the well, the people involved. We're going to definitely look at that, but just the psychological baggage that came along with AIDS uh-huh. and it still exists. Um, with so-called black people or quote-unquote black people, yes, it's it's kind of like it's. It's for everybody else. It's gone away, but it still lingers with us because the amount of propaganda that went behind it, mm-hmm. the amount of fear that came with it. Um, but I, I'm, I've haven't heard. Any, like, you know, what we've talked about it once again is Henrietta Lacks. You know the first, re, um, 
the first reflexive one we always talked about, and you asked me about it, was Tuskegee. Why does everybody yes. bring up Tuskegee? Yeah. That's just a it's reflex. A, yeah, which is, which is exactly what you said, and I totally accepted that. But then what I, what I remember distinctly is you saying, certainly for black men, the only thing the doctor gives me is the knife or the pill. Correct. I'm, I'm just saying, and when a talking point standpoint of it, of uh, when somebody backs you to the corner, so why don't you want to take it? A nice reflex parry, mm-hmm. <laughs> get them up off you was Tuskegee. It just rolls out the tongue and it kind of works. Right. And of course, we understand, as, I, as you illustrated and I um, uh, relayed to you was, of course, I mean, that's the only thing they do have to offer is a pill or a knife. Um, so who wants bad news? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I was shocked to find out that you didn't go to the doctor. Oh, so, no. I mean, that was. Oh, no. Re- re- no. No. I've. I've. Re- the, the last time I. Act- well, no, that's not true. I had some weird thing, which turned out to be, believe it or not, jock itch. I'll just say it. I've never had it in my okay. life. I'm not a jock. That uh-huh. I actually, you know, it was like a shit. What's going on? Went to the emergency clinic. That was the first time in at least, I'm going to say, 35 years that I've been to an actual doctor. I go once a month. I go to the functional medicine voodoo guy, and uh-huh. uh, and we do, uh, you know, we look at, it has a different way of looking at it, more uh, medicine man. <laughs> uh, and it works for me, and I feel great, so, and a little bit of acupuncture. And and I'm not saying people don't go to the doctor, but because we go to, like I said, of course, you have to, you uh, have my to wife go makes stuff. the appointment to get the the yearly and that kind of thing but yeah, yeah. if you feel a little pain in your arm or you know what i'm saying like it joints a little loose it's like oh, i'll work it out you know that kind of thing right but if of you course. got something seriously going on please please go. that's not what we're saying here um but i want to address this because hopefully at the end of this show i can illustrate the anxiety from that standpoint which i haven't heard anybody talk about and when i when i said that was I haven't any heard anybody say AIDS. AIDS is the way that AIDS was handled, the way that AIDS was rolled out. The well, that might have been slip. But. <laughs> no, no, I think you may be factually correct. We'll leave it at that. Yes. All right. So, um, I guess what we need to do is get into the bag, and we're going to start with a look back of uh, forty years on AIDS. At first, the deadly intruder did not have a name. The lifestyle of some male homosexuals has triggered an epidemic of a rare form of cancer. But it quickly developed a reputation. And the deaths kept coming and coming. The fear was palpable. I was terrified of passing on HIV to someone else. But in the years that followed... It was pretty miraculous for me. So was the bravery. Because of them, I can live a healthy and happy life. We sat down with four gay men from four different generations, all living with HIV. The oldest is Jesse Milan, who's still haunted by the beginning of the epidemic. People who, because they had been diagnosed, suddenly disappeared and and we all knew what that silence meant jesse was diagnosed in the 80s after losing his partner george and so many others it was hard it was a period at the time many leaders were accused of ignoring the crisis because it was deemed a gay disease President Reagan didn't give his first major speech on AIDS until 1987, six years after the first diagnosed case. We must have a definition of AIDS. For Dr. Anthony Fauci, the epidemic was a turning point. In 1984, he became the nation's top infectious disease expert, the same job he holds today. (laughs) 
might, it might be, it might be, you know, I, I did a lot of research on AIDS. A mm-hmm. lot, a lot of friends of mine died, which is why I was very interested in, uh, in the research. Well, let me ask you this, just so it might be, um, the way I view things. Since you had a lot of friends die from AIDS, is it as scary now as it was then when it first came about? Oh, in the public eye? No. I mean, Eddie Murphy summed it up perfectly. <laughs> that's how we thought. Uh, you put your dick in, it explodes. That, that's, right, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, so but now, the fear then, nobody's... Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 of course not. Well, and so let me just say this, a couple of things about AIDS, because there's a distinction between AIDS, which is autoimmune deficiency um, syndrome, which mm-hmm. is means that your uh, it's your immune system is uh is in a weakened state and it, it can turn into a syndrome that's not the disease you don't catch aids uh what was um uh posited was that the human the hiv uh this virus got in and that's what was transmitted and that gave you aids um what i what i personally believe just to set it straight up front is that, yes, HIV, they finally proved something that said, okay, this is HIV. It took them a while to, to be able to prove that. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same way with coronavirus. Um, but in my mind, it was the treatment, namely a rejected cancer drug, AZT. That's what was killing people. People who went to different places, and there's many YouTube docu- or documentaries on you, YouTube you can see, um, particularly the clinic in... Um, yeah, in uh, uh, I think it was uh, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had different treatment and nobody died. And uh, so to me, it was the, the treatment was worse than the cure. Well, well, I'll say this, and maybe this is cultural, but I think in certain southern cities like Atlanta, I think uh, some places in Mississippi, uh, Alabama, one out of every two gay men will catch HIV. Yeah, I mean, that was that was that's, the that was the marketing at the time. No, now that's right the, now. That's the facts now. <laughs> yes, yes, but uh, I I I don't see how that message is getting through because now they've come up with this product which is prep p r e p right and uh, and this is uh, some magical pill that you take and then you just even if you have HIV you're not going to die as is sold. But like I said, when as you start sold, looking, this yes. is. This is where the psychological aspect comes in that, I mean, me coming of, I'm an 80s baby. I was born in 1980. So you got to think, um, you get sexually active in your teenage years. This is at like the height of the AIDS scare. Oh, no, you, you, you guys, you guys got uh, a, a rough deal, man. I mean, we'd already had some notches on our belt by the time this thing rolled around. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, and, and, whoa. And, and, and it's generational, right? Because like my dad was the only thing we had to worry about. You go get a shot for mm-hmm. it. That kind of that, mm-hmm. that was the kind of laissez-faire attitude about it. Yep. But now every time you get to have a sexual interaction, it could be life or death. Well, that's what they say. I mean, again, I have my different opinion, but that's the marketing. Yeah, I am saying the psychological. Uh, oh yeah, the, no, the psychological the psychological aspect. baggage. I mean, Mo, only, I, I remember, yeah. I remember, I think Fauci even saying, "Well, we're not sure. You might be able to get it just from touching someone, or maybe from a doorknob." I mean, I heard it all from out of his mouth. Well, my grandma was like, "Boy, take the ink pen out of your mouth before you get AIDS at the mouth." Yeah. that was the kind of <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was the kind of psychological. And what I'm saying is that baggage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way it was rolled out, uh, the way it was presented. 
Uh, and they kind of like, oh, everybody could equally get it from any kind of sexual act. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, I'm not saying this is scientific. What I'm saying is this, this, was, this is this was the marketing. Messaging. That was the marketing. This is, yeah, this is the marketing that we received. And now, hopefully, as we go through these clips, you can understand the reluctancy uh, in med- in medicine. Um, when you have this kind of thing that just looms. I mean, every time you have a sexual interaction, it could be life or death. I mean, that's the kind of <laughs> that, was, that that's that was the intent. It was there to scare. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I want to do now, like I said, we had to get into the the guy um, Fauci and some background on him with clip three. At the October 13th, 1988 presidential debate, Michael Dukakis and George H.W. Bush were asked, Who are the heroes who are there in American life today? Who are the ones that you would point out to young Americans as figures who should inspire this country? I'm Escalante, Villadaris, those people that took us back into space again, sports heroes. Vice President Bush eventually responded with, I think a Dr. Fauci, probably never heard of it. You did. Ann heard him. He's a very fine research top doctor at National Institute of Health, working hard doing something about research on this disease of AIDS. Today, Dr. Anthony S. Fauci is best known because of his position in the coronavirus task force and for his many media appearances. In the U.S., he's one of the most recognizable faces in the current crisis. How did this doctor go from his research lab in Bethesda, Maryland, to becoming one of the most visible medical experts on the pandemic today? Mm, yes, indeed. <laughs> I wonder so how that happened. <laughs> so that's from Vox. Uh-huh. And um, they explain explains how uh, Dr. Fauci came to be. But what I find interesting is, through all of this, I didn't know who Dr. Fauci was until COVID happened. Yeah. And you would think he would be arm in arm with the so-called community with you have a still looming crisis. Like I said, I mean, when you look at the numbers, I, I mean, I, me being a hetero, super straight uh, black man, I'm kind of down on the numbers. But for homosexual men and women, black women, this thing, they lead in all in both sides of in, in their respective categories maybe by a significant amount you would think he would have a presence or we would know you know who he is um well again for me it was i saw him and burks uh dr burks both of them were very i mean i saw fauci at parties in hollywood so you were young and it was Mm -hmm. i think there was you know 20 20 years in between but for the people who also remember the scathing Village Voice uh, front page article at the time in New York calling Fauci out for murdering people. I mean, it, it, you know what, Mo? We forget. We forget. We get distracted. There's other crap going into our brains, and there's no one recalling this. You're absolutely right. It behooves none of those guys to say, oh, remember when we did the AIDS thing so well? But the thing is, it's, it's not finished. No, no of <laughs> course well, not. Well, well, of course well, not. For certain people, it is. I mean, if you have the money, they're... Uh, health insurance, the bottles, the the uh, the pep prep. drug that you was talking, mm-hmm. prep. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, prep mm-hmm. drugs that you were talking about. Uh, it's not a concern of yours. When, and this is probably gonna be something for the lost tapes. Is getting into the drug commercials and how they're overrepresented by black women and homosexual men. Yeah, uh-huh. when they sell these uh, drugs, uh-huh. th- that's a problem in itself. <laughs> is it I'll agree. This- I'll agree with that. That is because we've noticed that too. Because I see the, I always see the prep commercial. I'm like, ah. 
and it communicates like no more AIDS. You know what I'm saying? It's exactly what not it true. communicates. Yeah, but that's not true. And then, but it it's it's like a paradox because one, you're representing gay men and black women in these commercials outside the distribution there in the pop, normal population. But then you say, oh, there's no more AIDS. It's like, well, hold on. If there's no more AIDS, then why are they being represented that way? A uh, good question. <laughs> you can't have, and that's, if, if for people that are paying attention, and like I said, this thing has been going for 40 years now. Yep. No cure. I mean, they, not even, a, <laughs> not even, a, you know, um, the interest is not even there anymore. I mean, even Matt Johnson, he's post-AIDS. Yeah, and also I have a hard time. What's difficult is I just don't believe AIDS. If you catch catch AIDS, that you're going to die. I, well, when I say when I'm saying AIDS, I'm rolling HIV. Right, but, but AIDS in the womb. What I'm saying is I, that's how it's sold. I think that. Well, so you make a really good point. So why why is that representation there if it's pretty much solved? I mean that right. I, I got you. I got because that's that is the general consensus. The way I see it is, oh, you know, this prep and so it's pretty much solved we're post-aids we're post-aids correct we're, but we're not <laughs> and like i said I, i'm me being a super straight black man i have the least amount of risk um especially being married i mean i'm locked in so i don't i mean it wouldn't happen but, 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 but let me ask and, I, I need yeah. to ask you a question please do you know anyone who died of aids i do in a very early age i mean this is a sad but, story but, but, but recent yeah. or or a long time ago I, well, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So, so we agree. I mean, but I don't know anybody that had it. I mean, so to say that they died from it, I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't know that very many people that had AIDS. Um, right. The one that stuck with me was a little girl that was assaulted by her stepfather and got it very young. I mean, that's why kind of like it stuck with me because I'm talking about very like uh, single digit age. She was a victim of a sex crime, basically caught it and died. And that's coming. But you hear the horror stories, you know, of people like in, in church and that kind of thing, you know, of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, so, you know. I just want to make sure that you and I are on the same wavelength here. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the story. Well, I mean, that's the, that's another. Well, I'm going to say this. I believe in the symptoms when you see these guys suffering, I mean, I watched a lot of videos. I wish no, no, my, that I, way, but, I agree. But my point yeah. is, those symptoms I believe came from the treatment, not from the HIV. But they're not using the same treatment anymore, or are they? I mean, he, he, you just opened up another. <laughs> there's no. I, I don't think there's because I don't think anyone is is getting sick like that anymore. Everyone's no, no, on. They are. They are. That's that's, that's my point. I mean, Bye. okay. Just go on. You just go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And search uh, black people AIDS. You you know saying like serious symptoms? Okay, hold on uh, a second. Now yeah. now you freak me out with with a whole nother thought. Okay, you really freak me out. Could it be this thing is only being either functioning on uh, black people or directed to function on black people? Well, that's a whole nother. And we talked about with COVID, and this is not a COVID show. Um, we talked about COVID. You know the 
the theory that there's more receptors in the nose for black people. It's like, what? what, what I mean, let's, let's, let's get into it. <laughs> Except in Africa, for some reason. <laughs> right. But let's let's get into the clips. Okay. And I think, like I said, I, I like the fact that we're on two total different pages here. Um, because I think it's going to make for a very interesting conversation. Right. Yeah, yeah, good, man. Uh, good. Uh, number four. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, thank you so much for taking the time. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci. The June 5th, 1981 weekly report by the Centers for Disease Control was a notable one. It recorded five unusual cases of pneumonia. These cases would become known as some of the earliest reports of AIDS. The next year, Dr. Anthony Fauci wrote an early paper about the disease, which had increased to 290 recognized cases and had become a public health problem of essentially epidemic proportions. Fauci worked at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, heading up a lab that studied immune system response. NIAID conducts research on diseases to help understand, treat, and prevent them. It falls under the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, the medical research agency part of the Department of Health and Human Services. In the early 80s, the NIH had many institutes, with NIAID and National Cancer Institute leading investigation of the new virus and disease that would become known as HIV-AIDS. Fauci made that investigation the focus of his career. Today we're going to be listening to Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's going to be talking about AIDS. I'm working directly on, on AIDS, both clinically and from a basic science standpoint. It really is one of the few, of, or actually one of the only uh, subjects where you really have to change your lecture every month. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, yeah. He was, he was well, <laughs> well practiced there. Interesting, interesting to hear his difference in voice, too. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Are we starting to see a pattern here? But like I said, this is this is not what this, <laughs> this is. is. Not a COVID I, show, <laughs> right? But I just want to make it clear: I'm not talking about the science behind it. I'm not talking about anything. I'm not, just you're saying Messaging. what we're talking about is is the psychological baggage, the psyop. If, if with you, I don't want to use it in that term of being fake, but the no psyop. Psyop is a yeah. correct word. It's a psychological operation. Absolutely. That still exists, and I'm just fascinated. Ongoing op, I mean, yes, active, no, active op. <laughs> you know, because the reason why I'm saying is you, you're saying have, you know, uh, it seems like very close gay friends and, and a good, uh, good size and quantity that they're not feeling the same fear that's being still spot. I mean, like now, get tested, get tested, your partner, you know, got to know your partner, get tested. It's it's a constant focus oh well this is interesting because yes i certainly have uh, many gay acquaintances and friends mm-hmm. and for sure there is a testing culture definitely is a testing culture but not after the fact it's a pre it's like oh yeah I, here's my test uh, from uh, last week or whatever uh, mm-hmm. that's definitely there but the fear the way it was no nowhere near <laughs> that's very interesting and like I said, we're gonna we're gonna get on down the list. And just, and I, by the way, yes. that's that's uh, only the white gays. I know one black gay, but he he was HIV positive when I met him. He worked for me mm-hmm. for many years, and he's still alive. And I could ask him. 
<laughs> like I said, one one out of two, and then we factor in comorbidities, which nobody's talking about. That is another thing. Yeah. Well, and with that, so yeah. it's like like I'm I'm just blown back that you know that it it's that big a divide. I mean, I'm just shocked. Uh, but let's go and get to uh. So we're going back now to the uh the today special with uh Joe Fryer, and uh this is looking back on A's uh looking back on A's forty years. When there is resistance, was it hard to get the resources you needed? Well, in the beginning, it was. I mean, we, we, we were trying to convince people that this was not something that was going to go away. This is something that was going to get worse and worse. To raise awareness, the AIDS Memorial Quilt was unveiled on the National Oh, Mall. yeah, the quilt. His organizers read the names of those who died. Some shared their stories publicly, including actor Rock Hudson, teen Ryan White, who tested positive after a blood transfusion, real-world star Pedro Zamora, and basketball legend Magic Johnson. In 1995, a combo therapy known as the AIDS cocktail was ushered in, followed by even better medications offering hope. But there was no cure for the stigma. Right now, there are millions of people with HIV suffering from social rejection because they and other people believe that they're infectious, and, and they're not. Diagnosed in 2003, Bruce Richmond says he was terrified of giving HIV to someone else. So I, I didn't love. I just, I, I isolated myself. I was depressed, and at times I was, I was suicidal. But then he learned medication could reduce his viral load to undetectable levels, meaning he couldn't transmit the virus. So Bruce started an advocacy group and coined the phrase U equals U undetectable equals untransmittable a message endorsed by the CDC it gave me hope it meant that I could be I could be intimate people with HIV can live healthy lives and, and not pass on the virus to anyone and that's a revolution oh, I'm so happy you're doing this show because <laughs> this is the show that I probably couldn't put together myself uh, certainly mm-hmm. not from the angle that I've always looked at it so your approach is really a refreshing way to do this because ultimately, and I really I love these comparisons, I think it's all a scam. I think it was all a scam, you know, from day one. Uh, were people really dying? Yeah, where'd it come from? It's all the same. It's the same players, same thing as we're seeing now. And it's and this has been repeated in the interim as well, multiple times. And it always comes down to, we're going to save you and you'll be able to live again. And as I always say, it starts with us. This was the test room in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you on that. This was the test run. Uh, as you heard, several things. One, in the previous clip before this one, oh, it's always changing. It's one of those things that, you know, it's going to always, you know, you, your studies are going to be changing two or three weeks. And that kind of thing, that kind of attitude. Two, they had a quilt then, white flags now. Totally. Totally. So we, I love this. We'll go through all the all the comparisons. It's going to be good. And then the other thing was what the guy say. Out of fear, I isolated. Yep. I felt like I couldn't, you know, couldn't be around people. Stigma. Stigma. Yeah, but I, I have a totally different. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the, you, you figure out at the end where, 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 what my stance is. I don't want to ruin it for you or the producers out there. But let's go ahead and get into number six. Today, about 38,000 Americans are still diagnosed each year. DeAndre Moore was 19. I remember staring at a window covered in butterfly stickers. 
in that moment, all I could think was, TM, if, if I could be one of those butterflies and just fly away from here, then everything is going to be okay. Ray Afterazi had a similar reaction. He was 27. So I knew next to nothing about what it meant to be diagnosed with HIV. It was a steep learning curve. And what did you learn? <laughs> well, I learned that I'm not going to die. I'm, I'm alive and well. You think back to that moment with the butterfly. What would you tell yourself at that moment? You're going to be okay. You're going to be just as beautiful. <laughs> Today, all four of these men are undetectable, and all are advocates, sharing their stories to educate the public and fight the stigma. It's taken us 30 years of the AIDS crisis to teach the whole world that our lives and our loves are equal to everyone else. It blows my mind just how far we've come, and then just what's possible now, so... What is possible now? <laughs> My mind immediately says, what isn't possible? That's the answer. When was this uh, aired on uh, Today's Show? This was aired last year, I believe. Mm, it's and good. I, 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 I love the music changes and everything. It's well done. <laughs> oh, it is good, right? <laughs> it's good. They're good. Uh, so let me ask you this question. Why do we have so many new cases? They made a point to express there's a bunch of new cases. 36,000 uh, a year, I think they said. Right. We have this PrEP drug. Yeah, these are the fools have from, not. Yeah, they haven't taken it. The fools. No. Well, well shouldn't, well, <laughs> prep, shouldn't prep, we? Um, PrEP doesn't actually. I think PrEP doesn't actually stop you from getting AIDS. That's what That's what they just said. Undetectable equals unspeakable. What did the guy say? Undetectable equals unspreadable or something like that? Oh, shit, we should go back. Hold on a second. Where was That's, that? Was it I think it's, uh, no, it's, it's in clip two at the end, like half, maybe last 30 seconds. Okay, hold on a second. Transmit the virus. So Bruce started an advocacy group and coined back, back the phrase. Just a little bit. We hit it right. So I, I didn't love. I just, I, I isolated myself. Uh, back a little further. No, no, you good. You good. You good. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because they and other people believe that they're infectious and, and they're not. Diagnosed <laughs> in 2003, Bruce Richmond says. That's it? No, no, no keep going. He keep was going. terrified of giving HIV to someone else. So I, I didn't love. I just, I, I isolated myself. I was depressed and at times I was, I was suicidal. But then he learned medication could reduce oh, yeah. his viral load to undetectable levels, meaning he couldn't transmit the virus. So Bruce started an advocacy group and coined the phrase, you equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. A message there endorsed. Yeah, got it. Wait, endorsed by the CDC. Endorsed by the CDC. Okay. Undetectable equals untransmittable. So why are we having new cases? Um, because well, shouldn't we be trying to flatten that curve? Yeah, I'm just asking. Yeah, we should lock them all up, lock everybody. Well, I wasn't up. gonna go there. I mean, <laughs> but shouldn't we make uh, prep drugs available for free to help this the community, the the LGBT community, which this drug, especially the 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 uh, dark. LGBT community. Um, why are these drugs not available for free? Well, uh, I don't know that, that. So I don't know the availability and the and the cost. I don't know if they uh, are covered under a government uh, or social health care programs. Why can't I walk in my Safeway right now mm-hmm. and get free prep drugs? If it's a flatten the curve, have you tried? I know I'm being facetious, but I'm just saying. No, I, 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 I of can, course. I, I know what I can walk into Safeway and get for free right now. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is true. 
Uh, <laughs> so I'm just saying, I mean, if you were being acting in good faith, like I said, I'm just asking that question. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's Truvada, I think, is the... Is the it's a bunch is, of them. Is the, well, that's it's, the main one, I guess. Well, it's over 30. Oh, wow. Is, is it uh, generic by now? It's a, I know it's over 30. And I know I've been seeing those commercials for a long time. A very now. long time, yeah. So mm. I'm sure it, it is generic. But I'm, I'm just saying, it shouldn't even be prescription. It should be just like... Candy, uh, like ha- ha- Halloween candy. Well, you should be able to go pick it up off your shelf and, and as, as over-the-counter. If we, if we can save lives. I mean, if that's what we're doing. I'm being contrary in a way, no, but understand. I'm just saying right. that, one, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you can't have it that this is still lingering epidemic, which it is, because like I said, people are catching it and dying from it. But at the same time, the thing that could solve this problem to make it untransmittable is not being doled out with the same energy. Holy why crap. Is, that? is it because Holy yeah, crap. yeah. A, a month's supply of Truvada without insurance want to want to take a guess? Uh 350. <laughs> Try 2000. Oh, I, uh, how about that? But but these people of color in the LGBT community LGBT community, they can and just, I know it's more they, than that. Yeah, they can just cough it up or die, is your point. Why is it not readily available? This is a very good who, question. Is it because who it is? Uh, Well, you want my answer? My answer <laughs> no, I'm just, is... I'm just, I mean, being rhetorical, I'm just... Yeah. It make, make it make sense, is what I'm saying. Make well, it make okay, sense. Well, all right. Well, let's, let's look. Okay, so clearly this has to be about money. Uh, otherwise, why would they be? Do, why would they be doing it this way? So, this, a bigger question is if if they've traumatized uh, Black America, so called Black America, mm-hmm. but they can't afford it. Well, then what are they doing? So who are they? Who, co- <laughs> who are they advertising to? <laughs> is that your question? Yeah, it's a very good question. So they're, maybe they're just doing it just to keep fear going, and probably sell to the you know they sell enough to the to the rich people. Of all colors, <laughs> I just got like I said. I'm just saying that these two marginalized groups of people mm-hmm. should they they are being treated very unfairly in this AIDS issue. I am agree- just, in agreement yeah. with you, according to the social norms of today. Yes, it is an outrage. In fact, uh, we need to uh, have posters. Yes. Do you really love? Do you do, do you really do you, love me? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you, of course, Mo. You make a great point. All right, so I think we stopped at six. Let's get into seven. Another key breakthrough in recent years, PrEP. It's a daily pill that people who are HIV negative can take to prevent getting the disease. As for an HIV AIDS vaccine, well, that has not happened yet. But Dr. Fauci tells me he is cautiously optimistic that someday we will have a vaccine that is successful. 26-year-old DeAndre Moore, who you saw there, hopes that he is someday going to be part of an AIDS-free generation. And we want to give a big thank you to three organizations that helped us with that story there, the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, AIDS United, and the Prevention Access Campaign. 
need. It's incredible mm-hmm. to see how far we've come in those decades. We all remember those scenes mm-hmm. in the 80s, but there still is a stigma. Isn't that what you learned? Yeah, there is. And it's actually kind of amazing, especially with young people, which is surprising. So a recent survey of HIV negative millennials found that nearly a third of them say they avoid hugging, talking to, or even being friends with someone with HIV. Wow. People living with HIV often report being hesitant still to openly share their status because they fear losing friends or family or they even fear abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental. Just reminds us of Billy Porter just, just last week yep. who just who just announced what it. What a big and, sign of bravery yeah. even now. It's needed now, right. just as more than before. And he waited 14 years, waited to tell his mother, mm-hmm. so that stigma is still there. Right. Yeah. Joe, thank you. thank you. Thank you, Joe. I didn't know that about Billy Porter. <laughs> a man that openly will wear a dress is a, was even afraid of the stigma. Yeah. And I'm, just, I'm saying, the, I mean, it, however you see it, I mean, he's willing to, you know, present himself as he is with that aspect of his life. But his his status? No. Does he, um, let me see, Billy Porter, does he do any commercials? I'm not, I haven't seen him in any commercials um, that I can recall. But it's it's a formula to those commercials. It's two oh, oh, black oh, gay. Oh, he's in a whole bunch of them. Okay, it's two black gay guys, one brown gay guy, a white guy, a transgender person of any color, and then a couple of black women. You're so right. Here, December 2019, Johnson Johnson TV commercial, HIV exploratory vaccine. Oh, he's a he's he's a shilling for big pharma. Oh, he's pushing the vax. Yeah. Pushing the vax is a whole. We're gonna have to get in this. The that's we talked about prep and why it's not being <laughs> readily available to the point where it should be over the counter. I would think, um, where like I said, I can walk in today, I can get something <laughs> for free. Yeah, if if society decides that's what we need to do, but we have these people that don't have two grand. Uh, they can't afford these drugs, and they're they're left to die, waste away. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. Nothing's changing. It's like the tone of this whole thing. They are like this doesn't. Why does it take Mo Facts and Adam Curry to have this conversation when these people are still wasting away like it's the eighties? Nothing's changed in forty years for certain people. Correct. Certainly, the fear has not gone away. There's all there's oh, no. two oh, generations, no. two generations that have been uh, burdened with this. Yes. You want to hear Billy uh, Billy Porter in the Johnson and Johnson commercial? Please go ahead, knock it out. Let's see what he was doing back in the day. Here, this is 2019. All right, sitting down. So listen, I first started working with Johnson and Johnson because of their work in HIV. They've been at it for over 30 years, developing medicine that allows people to live normal lives with HIV. Educating people about how to protect themselves from HIV, training doctors and nurses, raising public awareness. <gasps> and now, and now, they are working to develop an exploratory vaccine that could one day prevent HIV altogether. No. After successful trials in Africa, clinical trials oh. are about to start. <laughs> Africa! <laughs> Big up! Awesome is that? You go, Johnson & Johnson. You go. And you thought they were just a baby company. Jeez, effective. 
Ah, well, very effective. I, I know they do sell some poisonous powder allegedly. Yeah, you know but, saying, but, but <laughs> we ain't gonna th- bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so true. Uh, it's amazing, like what people will do, but this vaccine. So now we got to get into that. Uh, uh, where they were at over the time. This next clip comes for 2007, talking about the vaccine. But it's amazing. What was this new technology to help these marginalized communities? Welcome to the New England Journal of Medicine. I'm Dr. Terry Schrader. With me today is Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institutes of Health. Dr. Fauci has written a perspective article entitled An HIV Vaccine, Challenges and Prospects to be published in the August 28, 2008 issue of the New England Journal of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Fauci. Thank you. Good to be here. First of all, why has the 30-year search for an AIDS vaccine been so unsuccessful? Well, probably the fundamental reason is that HIV is really quite different from any other virus for which we have successfully developed a vaccine. And the difference lies in the fact that the body, in its natural response to natural infection, does not make an adequate or an appropriate immune response to do... Stop. Stop right there. ...virtually every... I just caught something. He said natural infection. Ooh, let me roll that back. Hold on I, a second. I heard that clip 10 times. I've never heard that before. Oh, let's listen He's, again. Let's listen again. First of all, why has the 30-year search for an That's AIDS vaccine been so true. unsuccessful? Well, probably the fundamental reason is that HIV is really quite different from any other virus for which we have successfully developed a vaccine. And the difference lies in the fact that the body, in its natural response to natural infection, does not make an adequate or an appropriate immune response to do what virtually every other exposure to other viruses do. Interesting he put that in there. What's the unnatural? I mean, if you had say natural, then what's the unnatural infection? Uh, injection? Uh, maybe. I'm just saying, I just never heard good, that. Good question. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or it could mean natural as in some pathogen or virus that is in natural and not uh, jacked up in a lab. I'm, I, you can see here. You can hear it either way. I just wanted to point out that he Good said one. that. Yeah, he did. And take some examples: smallpox, measles, polio. All of those viruses can kill. They can maim. They can make people seriously ill. But at the end of the day, the body's immune system ultimately clears the virus from the body, eradicates it completely, and allows the body to have protection against subsequent challenge. So nature has already done the experiment to tell us that not only is a vaccine feasible, a vaccine is likely because we know the immune response is capable of doing that. The problem with HIV is that literally in an unprecedented way, HIV does not elicit a protective immune response in the body. And in fact, of the tens of millions of people who've been infected with HIV, there's not a single documented case of someone with established infection who's actually eradicated the virus from the body. And the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of people have progressive disease despite an immune response to the virus. So we have to do something that others who do vaccines for other viruses don't have to do. We have to do better than nature. We have to do better than natural infection. Man, this guy's had a good rap for a long time. (laughs) 
We got to do better than natural infection. You got to do better than nature, which to mm-hmm. my ears say we got to do better than God. Sure. Just to, just as a believer. <laughs> that's what I hear. And like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's natural infection. <laughs> I don't understand. Because even if you present a, a, a vaccine to somebody as in like the normal vaccines, flu, whatever, that's still the natural infection. I don't know what an unnatural infection is. That troubles me. I mean, like well, I've never heard that before, and I, I'm still processing. Let's see if but. there's a. Let's see if there's a, a an, an entry anywhere. Uh, natural infection versus vaccination. Okay, natural infection is the opposite, or is the um, no? It's not the word I would say. This is from science. Uh, mm-hmm. or this is from Rockefeller. These are the guys that make the shit up, so they might as well be <laughs> defined. Rockefeller. What's in your this is from, here you go. Natural infection versus vaccination. So, um, if if you are vaccinated, you have been infected in a non-natural way. So, uh, and vaccines. I'm gonna go back and listen to that clip. I mean, not not now. I understand I what you're saying. I understand. Hear what he's saying because he's saying. Because he then goes on to say in natural infection, and then he goes and specifies like vaccination, like it's in line with natural infection. But he says if you get if you give him a vaccine in a natural infection, if you give him a vaccine of a this is what I'm telling you I've heard, and I'm not saying that's what he meant, but to my ears it's like if you give them a vaccine of a natural infection, the immune system can kick in. He didn't say them like they were too conflicting or I think uh, I think it's worth listening again. Let's listen again okay. critically. The two of us. Yeah, this is this is what hey, it's a podcast. If people are bored, they can fast forward two minutes. You'll, we will be right back with you. Welcome to the New England Journal of Medicine. I'm Dr. Terry Schrader. With me today is Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the <sighs> National Sorry, Institute we'll of Allergy ahead. and Infections okay. of Health. Here we go. Dr. Fauci has written a perspective article entitled An HIV Vaccine Challenges and Prospects. Okay, it's about to the be vaccine. published in the August 28th, 2008 issue of the New England Journal of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Fauci. Thank you. Good to be here. And, and maybe a reminder for ourselves, at the time of this interview, there was no mRNA uh, voodoo. No, it's 2007. It was, it's 2000, yeah. just straight up. Yeah, so that means that the, yeah. the way vaccine, vaccines worked is this attenuated virus, a dead virus, a deactivated virus in mm-hmm. a vaccine. That's how it was done. First of all, why has the 30-year search for an AIDS vaccine been so unsuccessful? Well, probably the fundamental reason is that HIV is really quite different from any other virus for which we have successfully developed a vaccine. And the difference lies in the fact that the body, in its natural response to natural infection, does not make an adequate or an appropriate immune response to do what virtually every other exposure to other viruses do. All right, so he's saying that everybody that there's tens of millions of people who have this virus, but mm-hmm. these tens of millions of people who have this virus, their body doesn't react to it like it's a hostile intruder. Correct. Interesting. Okay. And take some examples, smallpox, measles, polio, all of those viruses can kill, they can maim, they can make people seriously ill. But at the end of the day, the body's immune system ultimately clears the virus from the body, eradicates it completely, and allows the body to have protection against subsequent challenge. So nature has already done the experiment to tell us that not only is a vaccine feasible, a vaccine is likely 
because we know the immune response is capable of doing that. The problem with HIV is that literally in an unprecedented way, HIV does not elicit a protective immune response in the body. And in fact, of the tens of millions of people who've been infected with HIV, there's not a single documented case of someone with established infection who's actually eradicated the virus from the body. And the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of people have progressive disease despite an immune response to the virus. So we have to do something that... Okay, hold on, hold on. Wow, this is really good. So what he... This is and do you have anything about PCR coming up? No, because the PCR test was mm-hmm. developed uh, around the same time as the AIDS crisis, and it was being used as a test. And this is where Carrie Mullis, the inventor of PCR, said this is not a this you cannot use this as a test for HIV because everyone has HIV. If you magnify it enough, we've talked about the cycles and how many times. Yeah, more, more cycles, more, yeah. more so, cases. Yeah. So it's, it's mind-boggling. This is a very important clip, actually. It's mind-boggling because here he's saying, oh, you know, like tens of millions of people have it uh, and no one's ever gotten rid of it. That's, you, could, you can replace that with tens of millions of people have uh, corona, uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2 mm-hmm. if you do a PCR test, just like HIV. But right. uh, they never been able to get rid of it. No, because no one can get rid of everything. So he, this clip, to me, is him saying, you know what? There's all these people who have it, and some people go on to be sick, but no one else does. This is very interesting. the virus from the body, and the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of people have progressive disease despite an immune response to the virus. So we have to do something. Wait. Now he's saying something different. <laughs> I know. Hold on. Now he's saying, wait, let's, let's go back. I'm missing something. Here. Protective immune response in the body. And in fact, of the tens of millions of people who've been infected okay. with HIV, there's not a single documented case of someone with established infection who's actually eradicated the virus from the body. And the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of people have progressive disease despite an immune response to the virus. So we have to do something that others who do vaccines for other viruses don't have to do. We have to do better. He's saying that he's saying something contradictory. That's why I told you. I don't like I said. We could just leave. Yeah, we're we gonna have to revisit. Yeah, this. we will because that that was some mumbo jumbo right there. Beautiful. Because the, the two things he's saying conflict. Yeah, we'll, we'll just leave. We'll just yeah, take we him we'll at his word. To. I'm sorry. But I, we, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying because the reason why I'm saying that is it's it's kind of like. You, the main point of it is out of all of these viruses, here comes something that's so surgical, no pun intended, that it attacks the very system that should detect it. Yep. Huh? Yep. Like, I mean, but, but it's, and then you call it, uh, you say it's not natural. Those are the two, only two takeaways I'm taking it from it. So what is it? And now we're going to get more into the, the efficacy of the vaccine that they've tried for HIV in number nine. 
All right, for the first time, a vaccine has tested positive in preventing HIV infections. That's according to a U.S.-funded study involving more than 16,000 volunteers in Thailand. The combination vaccine prevented infections in about 30% yeah. of the people on the trial, as compared with those on a placebo. The combination vaccine includes Alvac, made by Sanofi Aventis, and AIDSVac, made by VaxGen. Neither vaccine has independently stopped the HIV virus in previous studies, AIDS experts say the results could transform future research and spur scientists to use the process that created this vaccine to create even better ones. Mm. Well, Matt, the National Institute of uh, Allergy and Infectious Disease funded the breakthrough HIV vaccine study. Its director, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is the top federal official responsible for AIDS research. He joins us right now. Uh, Dr. Fauci, great to have you with us. Give us some perspective. We've been working on, on research for AIDS for many, many years. I mean, how how significant is this? Well, it's a very important finding in the sense that it's opened doors now that were really closed. And let me explain. We have been attempting to get an effective vaccine for literally over two decades, and everything that has been tried has been a complete failure, really no signal of any kind of even slight efficacy. The fact that we have in this large trial involving 16,000 people a 31.2% efficacy, uh, it's a modest efficacy. It's not something that that's prime time, as it were. <laughs> modest. Not 32% is modest. Modest is not even in the middle, man. This, this below is below. But okay. And, and they're, then they're testing in Thailand. And just, it's just, just a little yeah. bit of Africa, background. Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as a little background, this was two years after the uh, sit down with the New England Journal of Medicine. So this is 2009 now. Mm, okay. Uh, so if you want to go and jump into part two, we can. Uh, it's a modest efficacy. It's not something that's prime time, as it were, but it's going to allow us to pursue what the potential mechanism of that protection is, because now we have a foundation upon which to ask the questions that will hopefully allow us to get efficacy of vaccines much higher than 30-ish percent, up to 60, 70, or 80 percent where we want to be. So although this is a very important finding, it needs to be taken in context and in perspective that it's more of a roadway to a lot of work that needs to be done as opposed to an end in and of itself. So, I mean, the, the question then is, what's the next step here? I mean, do you work more with these vaccines? Do you need a new trial? Uh, maybe a more controlled study? Do you uh, work on new vaccines that come from these vaccines? Where, where do you see the next steps, Dr. Fauci? No, that's a, that's a very good question. The next step is to try and figure out what we call the correlate of immunity. Go back and look at the samples we've collected, draw bloods from the people who are in the trial, and try and figure out if there's a clue as to what particular laboratory parameter that you could follow that would be an indication that it correlated with this protection. And once you get that, then you start to design vaccines with some similarity and some differences that are aimed at inducing that particular parameter that you've linked to protection. Because up to now, we don't have any idea of what of many, many immunological or laboratory phen uh, phenomena, namely the body's ability to respond to a virus, we don't know what particular component of that would be associated with protection against infection. We didn't even know if it existed until recently because we've never had a positive effect like this. Uh, hmm. uh, this is 2008, 2009, you said? 2009. Yeah, they were already doing mRNA with this at this point. I think he's already let, letting that slip through. 
I, I wanted, to, I didn't want to lead you there. Uh-huh. But 2007, he was for certain. We don't even know what to do. And then now it's like, <laughs> oh, we have this new technology. Yeah. And, and then you, Bloomberg brings you on and they're trying to pry you for financial information. This is a financial, this is a financial, I mean, Bloomberg. Oh, he was on Bloomberg? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, this is setting up. Okay. We haven't heard a name yet. Who's going to be making it? Who, who, who are the licensees? Who's got patents? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, so what, what, which way are we going now? Fauci? Like, I, if you can just listen to the tone of the question, they're like trying to pry him, uh, apply him for, inter- for information. Yeah. They, they want to know if money's going to flow. That's what they want to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, like I said, I didn't want to lead you to the mRNA, but I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. That, that big of a change in tone. You you have zero efficacy and you're shooting for seventy. Like you said, the target was sixty or seventy percent, up to eighty percent in that short period of time. I found that very interesting. But uh, we can go in to get to number get to number three. All right. So, Doctor Fountain, you've mentioned you've been working on this, or everyone's been working on this for a couple of decades. You mentioned this is the foundation. So, how many more years are we talking potentially before there is um, the next significant step here? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I can't tell you that. It's certainly going to be measured in years. I mean, some people, when they hear an announcement like this, they think, well, next year we're going to wind up having a vaccine. That's not only extraordinarily unlikely, it's, 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 it's virtually impossible that that's going to happen. It's going to be measured in years. I can't tell you how many years, but if we had this conversation uh, six months ago and you asked me that, I would say I can't even tell you if we're even ever going to get a vaccine. Now at least I have some cautious optimism that we're on the right path. But I can't put a number for you about how many years. Are there other steps uh, that are more likely to prevent prevent a, a stronger AIDS breakout? I mean, are some people, for example, genetically predisposed to resist the AIDS virus? Yeah, yeah there are a group of people, but they are such a relatively small fraction of the population. There's a genetic uh, defect that doesn't make anybody sick, but it doesn't allow the virus to infect you. It's seen in 1% of the Caucasian population and in virtually 0% of African population population. So it's not something that is broadly applicable losers. to the population. The best thing to do is behavioral things, you know, avoid uh, unsafe sex, use a condom when wash you have your sex, hands. do the kinds of things Wear that mask. we've been talking Wear about with prevention for a very long time. Six feet socially distanced during sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mo, this is, this. I'm so, I, I gotta say it again, I'm so happy you're doing this. This is not, not an easy show to put together. So who's the 1%? No, that's the rich white people, brother. No, that's the lizard people. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, it doesn't uh, work on tomorrow. the lizard people. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. Exactly. Thank you very much. All right. I identify with that remark. Very good. Yeah. I love that. Oh, like, oh, African-American. No. But 1% of Caucasian people. Yeah. Uh, or appearing Caucasian people. He should have slipped in a little boule. That was rude. That was just rude. That, no, I'm just saying, like, well, you know how, how we are with the lizard people. It's like, yeah. does it not affect their uh, their uh, species? No, I mean, and, like, no. How, what, yeah. anyone who, which will, who doesn't sweat. Which will work perfectly if we all know all roads lead to depopulation. So if they're sitting back like, hey, 1% of us is just still going to be sitting around. Yeah, put this thing out here. Now, now, let me just go somewhere for a minute, just, just since we got here. If you wanted to get rid of have a controlled demolition of society, and you want to get rid of the undesirables at the time being uh, homosexuals, uh, people of color, uh, if you if I'm that one percent that couldn't get infected, say I am I am the lizard man. Mm-hmm. AIDS is perfect. 
it's like we can't catch it. Uh, it won't harm, you know, any people that we desire to stay around. Um, well, you know, this roll is, it out. This is exactly what, and it's kind of interesting in context of today. This is exactly how gay men felt uh, of all colors, but uh, all I'm, gay all gay men felt that they were being targeted. And Fauci, in, this was in the press. This was this well, was a mainstream. Fauci is killing gay men to depopulate. Well, let's just war game it out, right? You know, we know we're safe. Uh, and heterosexual white people will pretty much be safe because that are adhering to the Judeo-Christian stance of your marriage. So they're good. Now, um, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You mean the way the way they thought, or the or just in, no? I'm just saying the way the lizard people. Oh, okay. think. Oh, I'm sorry. Got gotcha. you. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking yep. as a, I'm, I'm I'm thinking as a lizard. I, I see the tongue. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, it won't spill over, and if it does spill over, obviously they're participating in buggery or some yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. that we feel is undesirable. So they need to go too. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. No. It's look the. The slogan "AIDS is crowd control" existed a long time ago. This well, is this I'm, is I'm, definitely definitely a, a thought at the time. Yeah, of course. I, but I didn't so, know about this one percent. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> the lizards. That's good. All right. So, um, just this is a little snippet, just thirty seconds, just to hear you to hear the financial aspect of it. Um, three point five. Dr. Fauci, what does this do, though, for the drug companies around the world? We had Sanofi, Aventis, and I believe it was VaxGen, who had the two vaccinations that were brought together in this uh, recent development. Does it harness everyone involved because of this kind of big step forward? You know, I can't speak for, for pharmaceutical companies. I'm sorry. They're, they're going to make their decisions, their business decisions, based on what they do internally. Do I, think, I look at it most... The, do you think they'll be more interested, though, with this development? Uh, well, they're, they're, that's a no-brainer. Of course they're going to be more interested in it if you have a successful product. All right. We're going to leave it there. Dr. Fauci, thanks so much. Dr. Right. Fauci, Director of the National thanks. Institute of Allergy mm. and Infectious Disease. Yeah, very interesting. The collaboration there, just like Pfizer-BioNTech. They were pressing them hard for like a just a stock. They're like, give us, give us yeah, just a little, and, and just a little something. This is what's so crazy. So if you look at the players in the in the COVID vaccinations, um, the the like Moderna that that wasn't even a, it was barely a company and was just one big failed glob <laughs> of crap. And then everyone piled in. Everyone was buying shares, and you know th- th- their stock has gone up like three hundred dollars or something. It's crazy. You know, and, and I would like to see who those smaller companies that were listed in that part were tied to. Right. You know, because they're, I mean, not, they're kind of probably like the Moderna of their time. Oh, sure. Uh, like, you know, these little outlets. Yeah, but, like BioNTech, Moderna, you know, those are yeah. much smaller. And then, of course, you have Pfizer, mm-hmm. which is the, which is the big, the, they've got the sales. You know, they've got yeah. the, they got the Rolodex. They got the, the sales channel. Well, n- now we're going to fast forward to present day. And this is Fauci. He was brought on M- uh, MSNBC to talk about the possibilities of an AIDS vaccine now that what we've seen with COVID-19. Let me ask you about, actually, the, the point about developing a vaccine. 40 years into your work on HIV and AIDS, does the development process and the success with the COVID vaccines give us, should that give us any new hope for an HIV vaccine? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a really good question because the technologies that were developed, the mRNA technology, the success of using uh, a very elegant techniques 
of the conformational correct form of the immunogen and the right form to engage the immune system to optimally make a good response. You know, it was back and forth, Rachel. What was done with HIV early on, though unsuccessful with the vaccine, went a long way to make success for the COVID-19 vaccine. And the technologies that have now been perfected, particularly the mRNA technology and other vaccine platforms that were perfected and used in COVID-19, I believe strongly will go back and be able to really forward and advance the HIV effort. In fact, there are scientists right now, even as we speak, that are using what the COVID-19 effort has inspired us to do to start working on that for HIV. So it's just science at its best. Uh You know, contributions back and forth with the fundamental core of it being the investment that one makes in basic biomedical research, which is really the resounding success story of the scientific approach to COVID-19 vaccines and has resulted in already saving millions of lives. Oh, oh, saving lives. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Just something just struck me. Earlier, uh, we heard in the clip that the efficacy of what you and I are presuming is early mRNA technology was 37%, and that was... Yes. So, if you look at the... Um, now, not the absolute, uh, you know, the rel- if you look at what they're touting as efficacy, you know, it started off at, at you know, 99, 98, 97. Do you know where it is today, admittedly? It's, around, it's around 37%. <laughs> this is very Alchemy. interesting. This is very Alchemy. interesting. Yes, this is fantastic. This is a find. But also, my question is, if you've been sitting on this technology and you've been the number one AIDS guy for 40 years and it's clear that you've had this uh, breakthrough in 2009, why are we just not hearing about getting uh, getting around to AIDS vaccine? That should have been the leader. Don't, yeah, um, I think that I'm just I'm just saying, like from yeah. saving lives aspect, I'm I'm just if he acting in good faith. Oh, and we got oh, this okay. thing that's killing people, and we're still still spreading. And this has been my life's purpose is to defeat to, to to defeat this monster called AIDS. Why didn't you kick it off to them first? It wasn't ready, man. Oh, okay. So all of a sudden, just <laughs> it wasn't ready. Like, oh, we got some. But that's like that's like me, and I'm gonna give you an analogy. That's like uh, you lose your wallet, and then I don't say anything, and then you ask, "Hey, have you seen my wallet?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, it's right here." Yeah, I had your whole damn wallet the whole damn time. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's uh that's not troubling the people. Shady. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this whole this whole show is troubling to people, Mo. You know what I'm saying? You just sitting, just sitting on the answer, huh? You're just not gonna, just not gonna fork it over. Yeah, no. To, to these well, poor marginalized. He was waiting uh, for. A, he was waiting for a bigger market. Come on, the whole or, world or, versus a bunch of gays. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna ask this. Good to go on the other side, the sinister side of it, and remind people this is not a COVID show. Um, <laughs> could it be that your big fear of having multiple gay people falling dead? Is bad. Say that again. Having multiple people, gay people, fall dead from your HIV vaccine. 
Oh, you know, that would be very bad. Yes. Oh, 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 okay. Hold, stop. I'm with you. Okay. So here, let's, let's, well, let's game it out again, shall we? Okay. Sure. So we know that the real moneymaker, long term, because it won't be necessarily a public health crisis like COVID, is things like the, an AIDS vaccine. Why? Because, you know, everyone who wants to have sex is going to, is going to want to have this vaccine. And it's completely completely voluntary. (laughs) You don't have to mandate it. Everyone will be like, hey, man, I might as well do it. Um, So what they're doing now is they're at now they're actually perfecting it with this massive scale and a whole bunch of people where we have the media and politicians and a lot of stakeholders covering up the adverse events, the deaths, (laughs) all of this stuff and distracting well, they are literally tweaking this. They're tweaking this stuff. And uh, and it's for longer-term goals like AIDS, like cancer, et cetera, et cetera. This, so now it makes a lot AIDS, of sense. Though. I'm sorry? You can't start with because you can't start with AIDS. No, no, you're, no, no, you're absolutely right. Because if people die <laughs> of AIDS, you're killing gay people. You can't do that. But if it's just a whole bunch of suckers, you know, who don't really hear about and they're wherever, just poor people, rich people. You know, once in a mm-hmm. while we get a celebrity. Don't worry, we'll cover that up. You know, that was a complication from COVID. It wasn't the vaccine or anything like that. Well, they learned from the first time of don't mess with But so Fauci, yeah, he's 80 now. So he's probably only got a couple more years. So time to get this going with the AIDS stuff, too. Yep. So I just, I just want to point. <laughs> no, that's really good. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. So now we're going back to the Vox uh, segment. Uh, Dr. Fauci explained three. Fauci was named director of NIAID in 1984, and the then director of Health and Human Services highlighted Fauci's background in immunology and infectious diseases as a main reason for his appointment. A major effort was directed at determining if a variant of this virus could actually cause depletion of lymphocytes or acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. And as it turned out, a variant of that virus, in fact, caused the syndrome. Fauci's leading Early research helped define NIAID as the Central NIH Institute for AIDS, and he made it a point to be the person communicating key findings to the public and media. The scientific data is overwhelming that, in fact, AIDS cannot be transmitted by casual contact. But it was a later political test that shows how Fauci navigated the AIDS crisis and secured his career. In the summer of 1988, playwright Larry Kramer wrote an open letter to Anthony Fauci, calling him an incompetent idiot and a murderer. His opinion was broadly reflective of activists, most notably the organization Kramer inspired, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, or ACT UP. In 1986, Fauci had reinforced his position as the leading scientist for the federal AIDS effort. He created a new division to focus on the disease and earned other significant NIH posts. But progress was slow, especially for a disease as deadly as AIDS, where patients died on average 15 months after diagnosis. Mm. So this goes to speak to what we were speaking about previously. You can't have the dead bodies in the street. And he no. caught a lot of caught caught a lot of flack from it mm-hmm. uh, from Larry Kramer. So yeah, wow, uh, a lot of this is coming back now. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of lot of parallels. And yeah. one thing he did say he used the word variant there as well. Yeah, remember this is the, not a COVID show. 
And it's not. And uh, he said uh, 19, that was 1984, I think he was making that speech uh, that they segmented. Uh, I, I saw this uh, with an address. I saw it, but I didn't clip anything from it because it's very tedious mm-hmm. um, to follow through. But yeah, he used the word. So is it other HIVs out here? I know there was a, like I said, urban legend. Just go by what we got to talk about. This. We're talking about the PSYOP here, uh, not the medicine. Well, I never, I never of heard of that's, that's another good one. I never heard of a an HIV variant. I did. You did? Yes. Super AIDS. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I uh, yeah. I, I recall Super AIDS. Yeah. But where'd it go? <laughs> uh, Superman got it and took it away. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying. Where, where did I mean? Cause that I'm, well, it's probably the publications we read, but a lot of the. Like hip hop, and like I said, hip hop had a lot to do with AIDS as well. Mm-hmm. And um, just for, I'm gonna show you how powerful the AIDS um, initiative was. The the um, first, the intro song was a song by Old Dirty Bastard. Yep, it's called Shimmy Shimmy Ya, and, and the hook goes, "Ooh, baby, I like it raw." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They made him change that. Oh, really? And actually, record a PSA. Oh, really? Yes. Jeez, so well, that that, that, how, that must have been at the height of because I mean the the money yeah oh yeah five yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, even even here. earlier even earlier yeah. than that the money that was that was being spent on uh, on AIDS advocacy was unreal Mo I've been I I I remember with someone else's money I uh, bought Michael Jackson's fedora hat uh-huh. uh, which I think. I think it was like three and a half thousand dollars as some benefit, you know, which I then gave away, of course, as a as some radio promotion. Uh-huh. Uh, but the point was that was just me. <laughs> there was a lot of money flowing. It was crazy, and, and it still is because getting tested is a huge thing. You know your status, you right? No, status? I'm just talking you know about the, the marketing yeah. and Hollywood, yeah. and uh, that 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 was un- unparalleled at the time. The concerts. Elton John. Ugh. Yeah. So I guess we can go and get to part four of Explained. Fauci and Nyad were responsible for starting trials for new drugs, which the FDA required for approval. In June 1986, Nyad created a network of clinical trial centers around the country, though they were criticized as ineffective. Activists argued that the NIH, the FDA, and leadership up to President Reagan had failed to take the crisis seriously. This photo from an October 1988 protest shows the key complaints. At the time, the FDA's lengthy drug approvals required strict scientific clinical trials. It was textbook science, but the disease killed at a faster pace than the FDA's process. If you entered a trial, a certain percentage of patients got the drug and a certain percentage got a placebo. This helped test if the drugs were safe and if they really worked. That was important because many AIDS drugs didn't pan out. But with AIDS, getting a placebo was a death sentence. And that meant fewer volunteers for clinical trials. The epidemic needed a radical approach, but experimental approaches like aerosolized pentamidine weren't being approved. The drug helped treat one of the most common infections caused by AIDS, yet trials had been delayed by NIAID, which Fauci blamed on insufficient staff. Under pressure, he acknowledged the approval problem in 1988. 
testifying in Congress that he would go for what is available on the street if he were a patient. A blunt rebuke to FDA policy keeping these new approaches out of reach. Ah, that's when we got the buyer's clubs. Go go to what's available on the street, huh? Wow. That's what you say. Wow. (laughs) Holy crap. Try that now. Yeah. But, um... Keep it. Uh, anything you would like to say about that? I mean, that's a lot. It was a lot. No, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> no. I'm just letting it flow. Let it flow over me. Well, this will be in, in conjunction with the previous clip. This is actually I have Larry Kramer. And oh, he, good. This is him getting. This is him getting angry, and this is at the Connecticut form uh, in 1993. The president promised to appoint his most important White House appointments within, by the time he was elected, he, he campaigned that the aid czar would be one of these. There is no aid czar. There is no person that they're even interviewing for an aid czar. I fear, and I, I dread to make a prediction, But I fear that these next four years, as far as AIDS are concerned, are going to be just as bad as the last eight years, 12 years. Now I know we're supposed to be nice to him, give him his honeymoon. I haven't got time for a honeymoon. Mary Fisher doesn't have time for a honeymoon. This doctor here from your own city doesn't have time for a honeymoon. One billion people don't have time for a honeymoon. I see a red light is on out there. I guess I've exceeded my six minutes. What have I learned in the last 12 years is the question that is always asked me on interviews. I went to Yale. I was assistant to the president of two major United States corporations, Columbia Pictures and United Artists Corporation. I have made films that have won Academy Awards. I have an Academy Award nomination myself. I am a rich man in monetary terms. In the last 12 years, I have learned what it is like to be treated like a kike like a nigger, like a spick, like a faggot, like a piece of shit. I have learned that people are not very nice, that there is no such thing as the Judeo-Christian tradition, and that intentional genocide is allowed. Do you know what's really remarkable? is how loud these voices were back uh, in the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gay men, and they have zero voice. Now, gay men are, you know, they're just, they're outcast. And they led a lot of this. Yeah. And and that's the the thing. Their power's gone. It's just been removed. Well, it's been co-opted by, yeah, yeah, uh, of course, in their community. I mean, their experience is the same thing. Yes, in, uh, in every other yes. community, uh, it's it's not the it's been co-opted it's not your by sexual pre- yeah trans it's, lives it's, matters etc. 
Well, it's not your preference of sexual preference. It's the it's your masculinity. Period. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Men gotta go. Men, black men gotta go. White men gotta go. Gay men gotta go. Men have to go. And 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 that's the whole plan is to marginalize all these other groups. Because, like you said, uh, to the point where you're actually being kicked out of your group. I mean, we're all (laughs) we're all experiencing this. What do you think they want to do with us? What do you mean? I mean, we only need we only need a few one of us per a thousand. One ten thousand? I mean, I mean, why not just do it like the old Egyptian day Jays? You know, like like Cleopatra. You know, she's like, we all be slaves. You know, it's okay, just sex slaves. Just feed us. Let's have football. No, but you don't need <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, yeah. That's the that's the thing. Like, I mean, the, well, to give a parallel, they want to make us uh, eunuchs in a way. Unless you have something to offer sexually. Attractive men, like you always pointed out, attractive men don't get me too. Uh, correct. Uh, if you don't have anything to offer sexually, then you're basically a eunuch. Shut up and just do work and keep your head down. Yeah. And that goes for all men. <laughs> that goes for all men. That's yeah, crazy. He thought, he thought, he thought, you know, that, uh, and what's happening now is he experienced that as a white man then. Yeah. To say, oh, even white men could be genocide. Yeah. That was new for him. Like he, you heard the words that he used this yeah, yeah. what he was going through with, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's gay men are experiencing that because yep. they kicked in the LGBT, uh, excuse me, LGBT, LGBT door, uh, and now they're like, shut up and sit in the corner. Oh yeah, no, th- this is black men kicked in their civil rights door. And now shut up and get in the corner. It's an insult that they're included in the acronym. You know, there should be no G in the LGBTQIAPK plus. Well, they're they're the they're the uh, no, like but we, like they I'm say black men are the black the white. I'm saying I'm, I'm just saying, but I'm just going to illustrate your point and further. The same way they say black men are the white men of black people, gay men are the straight men of gay people. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You said it, you said it really weird. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> that's, it sounds weird when you say I'm the white person of black people, but it's the same thing. It's like no, nope, yeah. now you're the dominant factor inside the group. Well, no, so you gotta go. Okay, so the so clearly what we have to do is we have to turn it around since we all know the black man goes first. Uh, we need to uh, lift the black man up to uh, uh, to lead the return back into our rightful place. What you restore, what you restore is uh, a masculine-led society, and that's not led in the sense of. Oh, you know, uh, like oppression. That's in you know, uh, fatherly. That's why the patriarch is the so is so yeah under attack uh, under attack. Yeah, because it's about leadership, right? Well, exactly. But you know what? Right now, I only see black men standing up and saying this. You, uh, Jason Whitlock, recently on uh, I think I saw him on Tucker doing this. Um, oh, well, when you're back against the wall, see uh, a lot of these other groups. Think there's there's negotiation. Mm-hmm. We realize there's negotiating. There's no negotiating, right? There, I mean, what? There's no. I mean, like we've we're at the bottom. Like next thing, this is gonna lead us great into another clip. What he's felt, what he thought he could negotiate. Like he was talking about Clinton. He was like, we got to be nice to him. Mm-hmm. Give him his honeymoon period. There's no honeymoon period, right? There's we we knew how it was gonna happen after the 2020 election. We were ready. We had batting hatches. You see what I'm saying? Like we knew what was going to happen. 
So when you say we, no, when you say when you say we, is there a phone call that uh, I should be on from time to time? Or no, no it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a psychological. I hear. Well, I think the thing like formation, right? It's, it can happen yes. both ways. Yes. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. get your mind around the idea, and when you look to the left and the right, it's like you're going to see it everywhere like, you need to. Yeah. So I want to get into the point of benign neglect, uh, and that's what uh, Larry Kramer was experiencing. And this is Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, uh, and she's going to explain what uh, benign, degle- benign neglect is. What racism, white supremacy, is the effect of racism because the more the victims of racism, white supremacy are kept in a state of ignorance, then that enhances the strength of the system itself. And every effort is made to block black people penetrating and having an in-depth understanding of racism and white supremacy. It's my understanding that the Attorney General Eric Holder, in commenting upon the Supreme Court Chief Justice, said that the Chief Justices said the way to deal with racism is to not talk about it. You see, that would be the same in medicine. The way to deal with cancer is to not talk about it. And so then the patient and everybody else who might be afflicted with cancer, they just go forward and die because it's, it's being ignored or be given benign neglect. I think that was President Reagan's term about how to deal with racism. Hmm. So that, that's what you were alluding to about Jason Whitlock and what we do here at the show. And you've heard it several other people that we realize shutting up is what they want us to do. Yeah, that's it's, it's an end. There's no, 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 no. We're, we're going out kicking and screaming. If we're going to go out. <laughs> Spitting in the mic all out. the way, Mo. All the way. So uh, let's see. Now, okay, now we got to go back because this is a throwback clip from uh, show 44. That was Big Bank, Big, Big Bank Barry oh, about yes. Barack Obama. Uh, and this is Re- Reverend Wright. And it's something that we didn't catch in there. I'm, I'm not going to say it. I want you to listen okay. in, in context of what we're talking about now. And the United States of America government, when it came to treating her citizens of Indian descent fairly, she failed. She put them on reservations. When it came to treating her citizens of Japanese descent fairly, she failed. She put them in internment prison camps. When it came to treating the citizens of African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the oh. lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law and then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America that's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating her citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she tries to act like she is God and she is 
supreme. Man, that was that was so assassinated in the media. Yes. Oh well, my more, goodness. Oh, but, but Obama was embarrassed by it himself. Well, there's a he he. <clears throat> first of all, being associated with uh, somebody that speaks like that with that tone, the tone itself. Yeah, you it's, know he played the <clears throat> he played the I'm nice and. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not threatening, and <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just you know I'll be quiet. I mean, yeah. you heard uh, Doctor Francis Chris Wilson allude to uh, uh, Eric Holder, one of his picks of just don't talk about it. You know, right. just don't talk about. It. And this was bad for the messaging. Yeah. So they had to condemn him. Well, one of the things Jeremiah Wright was known about was uh, preaching about AIDS and where it came from. In your sermon, you said the government lied about inventing the HIV virus as a means of genocide against people of color. So I ask you, do you honestly believe your statement and those words? Have you read Horowitz's book, Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola? Whoever wrote that question? Have you read Medical Apartheid? You read it? I believe. No questions from the floor. I read different things, as I said to my members. If you haven't read things and you can't, yeah, based on the Tuskegee experiment and based on what has happened to Africans in this country, I believe our government is capable of doing anything. In fact, in fact, in fact. One of the one of the uh, responses to what Saddam Hussein had in terms of uh, biological warfare was a non-question because all we had to do was check the sales records. We sold him those biological weapons that he was using against his own people. So any type of government can put together biological warfare to kill people and then get angry when those people use what we sold them. Yes, I believe we are capable. Mm-hmm. That's the part you didn't hear about. <laughs> I I recall the I recall the clip, but no, for all for all intents and purposes, no, no one heard that. Did you hear him engage Tuskegee? Yes, of course. That's what I'm talking about. Here, the floor pushed back and like AIDS. It was like there was an uproar. He's like, okay, I need to. You know, saying get them off of me. Yeah, Tuskegee. Right. <laughs> But, uh, we call that uh, we have we have a term benign neglect. Yeah, but this and but that's a reflexive thing. Like get off off me, y'all. Yeah, of like, course, of course. Give me time to think about mm-hmm. an answer. Mm-hmm. Let me jam this out at you. And that, I, I just I was a great example of of what I've been saying about how Tuskegee is used, and, and what we talk about the underlying about don't trust doctors. Period. Uh, as far as you know, our the, the solutions they have. Tuskegee is um, also it's also great because um, because you know, as you point out, it's like this. Yeah, get off my back. Let me think about some more here. So I'll just throw it Tuskegee. Tuskegee is yeah. long. It's hard to say. It's interesting. You don't really hear it. You have to make sure you don't say Tuskegee Airmen. You know, <laughs> so it's like it's a really good one because I think it's relatively short, but it gives you double the punch on how much more time you got to figure out what you're going to say next. Yes. And I, I just want to lay that out, but he lays out some some heavy names there, uh, Horowitz and other people. But before we do that, we gotta show appreciation to the people that make this uh, possible. Yes, and let us explain how we do it. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. 
And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. Words to live by. And uh, I think everyone who produces the show with us uh, agrees, and that is a great way to live. And everyone's doing it. We like the notes that you're sending with your uh, support, with your uh, donations. And we need to thank our executive producers and associate executive producers for episode 69. Uh, we're well on schedule, so thank you all for supporting us regularly. Um, it's value for value. All the work that goes in, uh, the coordination, uh, <laughs> the planning, the growth that we have coming, and uh, and some security for everybody is incredibly welcomed and uh, you can do that by helping us with your time your talent your treasure um and everyone seems to be contributing beautifully let's uh, start off with our top executive producer we have a name for that this is peter mccool who comes in with 333 dollars and 33 cents man magic numbers love it and says please de-debate me Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And he said, also be wanting some Mo Karma. Thank you. Uh, sorry, I'm very late to the party. Joining you guys in episode number 60. Well, you can always go back. Uh, quickly, the Mo Facts podcast turned into one of my favorites. Drop into my podcast 2.0 app. <laughs> yes, we're taking over the world. Question. Before you go to the first donation segment and you play the clip of Malcolm X, it's always weirded me out when he says, the so-called Negro. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing something, so if you guys have any info on that, I'd be stoked to keep up the great work, Mo. Well, I can think I think I can take that. It's the same as the so-called black man. It's just, right. it's uh, there's no descriptor. It's also, you know, it's like the so-called white man, I guess, or the so-called yellow but, man. And it's another uh, component that you, that's right, but it's another component that is, we didn't identify these terms. So yes. <laughs> yeah. it's like, you. this is how you address me, so it's so-called, but in how Malcolm says and how I say it, we don't have a self-identified identity yet. It's, it's forming, but yet. Yeah. So we could say Hotep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing shit out, Mo. Yeah, no, no. Well, so yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's that's just the effort. Like we're seeing is happening. That's why I says yet. I use the word yet because yeah, it's still uh, like being that. formed. The mm-hmm. identity is still being formed. Rightly so. Peter McCall, here's your Mo Karma as requested. Thank you very much. You've got Mo Karma. Wesley Olson comes in one hundred and fifty dollars, uh, and let's see, Big Bank Barry. He says, and Black Ink Part Two? Question mark. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I mean, never, anything's never possible yeah sure anything's possible but we appreciate the uh the suggestion for sure now we have uh something here this from is, greg this Wheeler is a make good because we on last we didn't have couldn't have his email uh he resent it um and uh along with his sketch so if you want to read either one of those messages, it's up to you. Dealer's choice. Just resubmitted uh, the make do sketch note and felt like it would be a good idea to offer another donation. Thank you. Your older shows are keeping me sane, or as I, or as close as I can get to it in this circus we're all, we're all in right now. I'm consistently impressed with the quality of each and every podcast you guys put out. It's interesting hearing you talk about things that have gone down the last several years, and consistently find you both articulating many of the thoughts I've held on the various topics covered. 
and have gained more understanding in regard to the things I didn't know or understand at the time. Thank you both. Stay sane. And thank you. Uh, believe it. Believe it or not, I, it works for me too. I think Mo probably has the same. It's yeah, a uh, nice sketch too. Yeah, that was a nice sketch. Oh yeah. Uh, then we go to Color Command Creative Studio. Uh, One hundred and five dollars for an executive producer. Uh, credit. Love the show. I was introduced to you both last year by a previous university teacher. I love that. Yeah, yeah. We're helping university teachers. I, I, I hope he's not previous because he's introduced yeah, the students to us. This was about a few months after deciding to start my own show. Oh, the Shift Makers podcast. I use my millennial, millennial perspective along with a marketing and advertising background to get my generation thinking for themselves. I'm always giving shout outs to your show because the more ears, the better. Very grateful for the peace of mind both of you provide. Mo is a fantastic follow on the socials and NA should win awards. Uh, Adam will also be giving value there soon. Mo Karma for the show, please. Uh, from L, the shift maker. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> shift makers podcast. Scott. Mo Karma. Hold on a second. Just an empty promise if I don't write it down. Hold on. <laughs> Shit makers. Shift makers. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. There we go. The Shift Makers podcast. Um, $88 from Kirk James. Hey, Mo and Adam, this is in celebration for what would have been my dad's 88th birthday this past weekend. I would like to donate on his behalf. Uh, he was a very generous man, born during the Great Depression. I learned a lot from him. And he was the person that taught me that man is only worth his word. I believe he would have loved y'all's podcast. Please keep up the excellent work and a biscuit for my dad and a Wusa shout out for my Dame Amber, Dame Amber, followed by a Mo Karma for the family. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. Nice note. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. Oh, threw in a goat. Sorry. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. Oh, I love this name. Theodora Dorinda Odniena, I think. and just says thank you and we say thank you Theodora then we have $75 from Anonymous Uh, now we have show donations ah yes did you mention this by any chance on uh, on Lost Tapes we gotta get into the habit of that which one one? Uh, well so now we have the show donations we got 69's coming up and of course we could have anticipated show 69 being a big hit <laughs> this is the Dvorak. This is the Dvorak part of the value for value model that uh, that I've that I've never really done is to remind people that you got a cool number coming up. Okay, because people well, love it. Cool. People love it. People love doing this. So, and that's, we start off with Nicholas Woolward. Now, these will all be in in addition to um, uh, associate executive producers, also show donation producer show number producer so you get a separate credit for that and we said 6969 from nicholas woolward can i uh, stop you for a minute just to go back to the anonymous uh we know who you are you know who you are but i didn't see an email from you i saw others but i just want to leave if you want to see it again okay so do i need to take any action no no i just want to <laughs> put that out there could give me like they sent value but obviously they sent an email but it didn't come through happens all the happens all the time resend we'll get it eventually uh so here's uh nick the kiwi nick the kiwi donation 6969 us dollars no jingles no karma had to donate for this amazing show number yeah what's your thoughts on the relationship between dr sebi nick cannon and nipsey hustle 
we can talk about it in a second. Did Nick Cannon get canceled from his remarks on his podcast about the Jewish community? Or was it really a ploy to keep from the, was it really a ploy from the elites to stop him releasing the Dr. Sebi doc, documentary, especially right before the start of the worldwide pandemic? Keep up the great work. Love from the Democratic Republic of Danistan. It's uh, Victoria in uh, Melbourne. Uh, we may never see these people alive again down there. These new, this new, new bill that he's that he's ramming through. So um, this is actually um, our first. We first knew about each other, I guess, kind of around the Nipsey Hustle time, right? And Doctor Sebi, uh, it was there was like something completely different from what we were focusing on his documentary. Do you can you refresh my memory? Oh uh, well. Dr. Sebi says he can heal all things through, you're saying, his with diet. Oh, and, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, including AIDS. So it's kind yes. of crazy that this letter How comes that? with How about this. about that? Yeah. <laughs> so I might have to look into that for the Lost Tapes. So Good one, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good That'd addition to That would be a perfect one for topic. Lost Tapes. Yep. yep. All right, thanks. Uh, thanks, Neek the Kiwi. Uh, Curtis Collins, thanks, Jen, great, gents. Great quality as always. Keep it going. Woosa, por favor. Much love from Kurt and Jen. Well, thank you very much. Where's my regular Woosa? There Woosa. it is. Woosa. Woosa. Bowl Woosa. after bowl. The Bowl After Bowl podcast. Uh, another podcasting 2.0 value for value podcast. 69 shows out of insight, perspective, and humanization. We couldn't be more grateful for all you two bring to the cookout. <laughs> Hopefully Adam can bust out the Bill and Ted 69, 69 dudes jingle for old time's sake. Love is lit, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLarian of Bowl After Bowl. So this um, this was probably the longest uh, running donation on No Agenda. Uh, number donation was the 6969. Because okay. some, and, and it went on for years, and we said the, whenever a show does not have a sixty nine sixty nine donation, then we retire the whole segment. We retire the jingle, and I think it took mm-hmm. four or five years. Uh, but this is what it was. No, wait, that's not the what it was. Sorry, this is what it was. Sixty nine, sixty nine, dudes. <laughs> Very childish. Uh, Just make sure we get Josiah as well. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, who says GBG? Of course. Give blacks guns. Thank you very much, Josiah. John Taylor is starting a new job. He wants starting a new job. Karma. Um, have we have people actually requested job karmas on MoFax before? I, I don't know, but you might want to hook them up. Yeah, this is my my favorite. Called the TPP Jobs. 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 You've got. Mocom? <laughs> there it is. Uh, Chris Bailey also, well, Chris Bailey has 69, but we'll count that as a, a show number donation. No note further. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Knowles had to donate the show number. Of course you did. Thank you. Uh, let's see. I had to be Swazanoff of show club member uh, DH Slam of the God with 69. Yes. Swazanoff is yet another. What is that? If that was. Because uh, I'm sure it was someone who mis who mispronunciation from some somewhere, but uh, in okay. in French, sixty nine is Swasselnuf, and somehow that became Swasselnuf. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so that's someone who goes back a long time. Thank you, DH Slam of the God, Jordan Brown, sixty nine. No, nope. We appreciate it, Thomas Fisher. 
says, thank you for having one of the best podcasts out there. Curse you for sending me down too many rabbit holes with the subjects you cover. I must apologize. I've been a deadbeat for too long. I humbly request a D-dead beating. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. I also couldn't miss the opportunity to be a show number producer for show 69. He even has a nice little adolescent. Nice. Keep it the good work. And uh, he wants John to turn his speakers down. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Paul Arsenault, also show number donation, Sir Scandinavian from Jasper, Al- Jasper Alberta, uh, for your continuing my re-education from propaganda, university Scientolo- uh, sociology lessons. Yes. I think you get a much better education here and appreciate the support. Booberry, $66, says uh, the best part of waking up is mind crime in your cup. And also, MoFax with Adam Curry. What a stunning production. Truly inspirational, not only in how a team can approach a format, but the stellar quality of conversation. There's not many places you'd find someone not only willing, but capable of humanizing the FBI or lizard people. Fingers are still crossed that it's physical lizard people. What a champ. That's short for champion. Shows like these make great make the great unzipping, see pro-choice versus anti-choice, a fun place to be. Enjoy every sandwich and love is lit. Booberry Mothman of the Mini-Apocalypse. Got it. Mini-Apocalypse. Yeah, so it's Minneapolis, but Mini-Apocalypse. There we go. Oh, my God. Uh, what is this? BYO3 DG. DG. P.S. Thanks for a great time the other night. Mo joined us. Oh, uh, on behind the the schemes, schemes. Yeah. for episode uh, series one, episode sixty six, Soylent Green New Deal. It was a hit. Oh, I didn't know you were on that. Yeah. Oh man, cool. I'm, I'm, make, I'm, I'm uh, making appearances. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where's vocally? I, I was going to say badradio.live. There you go. Yeah, right. We're never going to see you, Mo. I think you're actually that DJ with the marshmallow on you, on his head. I think you and him are the. I've never seen anyone uh, more 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 possible to be Mofax. All right, we're going to stop here. We'll be thanking the rest of our producers in a moment. Um, but thanks again for our executive producers, associate executive producers, uh, and also our show donation number producers. This is very important value. We need to grow this. We need to grow the MoFax Enterprises Incorporated. Uh, I think I think that we have enough people who have this time and talent and also the treasure that we can really grow this. And I think we're, we're on a good track here. we got a good schedule every 14 days, but well, really every Wednesday with the lost yeah, tapes. Yeah, let's rep- remind people because this is a... I want to remind people because you're missing out on the facts family and that's in the live chat. They have their own conversations going and it's just, it's, it's, it's great to see that everybody show up and like know each other and speak to each other. So, uh, and that's definitely join us over there. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and yeah, and get to know each other now because you know, if there may be another place you want to go uh, hang out together, it's easy if you already know each other from before. That's true. So go to MoFax.com to find out more. Or if you want to donate, you can find the donate button there. Or go to uh, MoFundMe.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And you can always try a new podcast app if you're not already using one that has a boost button. Then hit it now. 
because that is how you can stream value for value, little bits of Bitcoin, the future, uninterruptible money. You can find a podcast to try out and use it at newpodcastapps.com. And thanks again for being executive producers and associate executive producer of episode number 69. Swizzle enough. All right. So in the previous clip, Jer- Reverend Jeremiah Wright brought up a name, Dr. Leonard Horowitz. Have you ever heard of him before? Uh, I think so, but it's, it's like such a doctor name, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dr. Horowitz, it's like yeah. a million of them. Uh, so what? Well, this get, go ahead and get into this is the origins of AIDS and Ebola viruses. Let me just share with you quickly how I got started. You would never imagine this. In 1982, when I was finishing up my Harvard Master's in Public Health, and I was asked, would I, would like, to, would I like to participate in educating gay folks and others about this thing called gay-related immune deficiency? This was before it was called AIDS. And I said, nah, I don't want to deal with that disease at all. I don't want to think about that at all. Here I am. 15 years later, 16 years later, and what am I doing? Traveling around the world, telling people about the man-made origins of AIDS and Ebola. Wow. I was working over here. My favorite area of research and teaching was in self-care, healthy human development, motivational psychology, teaching people, like Danny does, how to take better care of themselves, boost their immune systems. So I was really into that. I love that. That's my favorite thing. And one day, Kind of like the miracle happened where there was a crisis and I was the right person at the right time. It was the 1990, July 27th, 1990, when the case of the Florida dental AIDS tragedy hit the press. Oh. You remember the case of the Florida dentist who infected his patients with the AIDS virus? Oh, man, do I remember that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember it from then? I remember it. I mean, like just being on the news with my dad you know, watching the news, but I don't recall it like that and you know i remember like it being a big thing like oh dentists are giving people aids you know that kind of thing yeah you want want to go talk about it no 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 i'm just i'm just remarking that i i vividly recall that okay well i have a local clip from the perfect from the local news Dr. Acker's case is bringing national attention to our area tonight and to the increasing fears over how the AIDS virus is spread. Nowhere has the impact of AIDS been so tragic than here in our area where a young woman is the first in the country to claim she contracted the deadly disease from a medical caregiver. The implications for you and for the health community are enormous. In the first of my three-part Action News Extra on AIDS anxiety, you can meet the young woman who is bravely forging ahead despite the odds. We're all going to die. You know, we're all, none of us are immortal. Um, With AIDS, you're more aware of it. She's a 22-year-old college graduate with a promising future until December 1989, when Kimberly Bergalis found out she was diagnosed with AIDS. Suddenly, fate changed the future. It's frightening. You know, I was, um, 
I was at a point in my life where I had all these different goals and I was sending out my resume and I was thinking about you know marriage and uh, eventually you know children and um, so it's it's a big setback Kimberly believes she contracted the deadly disease during a 1987 tooth extraction her dentist David Acker of Stewart died of AIDS this past September I thought about everything else and nothing else made sense the only person that I've been exposed to that had had AIDS uh, was the dentist I remember Dr. Leonard Horowitz because I read one of his books, and it was, and I, I looked it up while we were listening, Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola. Yes, now I remember. Yes. <clears throat> it's been a while. Uh, okay, so I don't know if you want to get into the the acres or not before this next clip. You got anything you want to say about them? Something you remember you want to no. get into? No, okay. I, I, no, no. Should I be? Did you expect something from you, me? You, you, yeah, I did. I mean, oh, if you're familiar with his book, because it's... This is right up your alley uh, in these next couple of clips. Uh, 23. At that time, I was serving as the uh, world's leading dental and medical catalog supply company's chief professional advisor. And my background was in media, health education, health promotion, fear, because I worked on dental phobia reduction therapy programs, behavioral therapy programs to allay people's fear going to the dentist, and I've been a dentist for 16 years, and health education, and media, persuasion, technologies, and here the media was making so many people afraid to go see their dentists in the wake of this case, so I was asked, I was told, I was given the job, opportunity to develop patient educational literature to help allay people's fear of going into dental medical practices. So I started to research the Centers for Disease Control's official investigation reports on the case. I first found them to be scientifically questionable. I then found them to be scientifically bogus, and then later found them to be fraudulent. They had literally covered up, deleted the most incriminating evidence against the dentist, who I had to conclude after three years of studying this case and publishing three scientific reports, literally having to go out of the United States to publish because the American Dental Association, American Medical Association, wanted to maintain a cover-up. Yeah. So it's been 30 years since I really, <clears throat> honestly, well, a little bit less than, of course, but th- that's when I was earnestly, when these books were coming out, when I was really studying this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until mm, another 10 years after that that, you know, I really things started to become clear. And it's been, for me, it's been total uh, benign ignorance (laughs) ever since. So let's just catch people up on what he's saying in the the previous two clips. So what he's saying is he had no interest in looking at AIDS, which it was called gay... Uh, Yeah, instead of uh, autoimmune deficiency, uh, immunodeficiency disease, it was called gay immunodeficiency disease. No, it was greed. It was greed. No, it sounded like gay to me. (laughs) No, what's, what's what I'm saying? It was the acronym was greed. Yeah. So great, first of all, great uh, rebranding on that because greed would have not flown over no, very well at no, all. No, no good at all. Uh, second of all, what he's saying is he was chasing the money. Mm-hmm. They were losing money because people didn't want to go to Dennis because they were afraid, yep. which that brings up another point how I don't know how people can let somebody go look in their mouth and you know, saying in the middle of this thing we got going on, but this is not a COVID show. Um, <laughs> and it didn't stop. But he's saying as him started chasing the money and figuring out how to get people to start going to the dentist again, he started looking to this case with Acres. Mm-hmm. And he found out that the dentistry dentistry industry and the uh FDA uh, FDA 
covered up everything yeah. to the point where he had to go out of the country to publish his book. So I just want to feel people you know saying this because we the two clips are segment with the local report. So I, I wanted to feel people in on what's going on at the time. He didn't purposely pursue AIDS. No, he was he was not the, get, not the money. AIDS hunter. He was trying he to was get, trying to make <laughs> trying to get people into dentist offices. Correct. Which I, I mean, which is, comes with his own nat- natural apprehensions in its first place. Um, but I, I, I digress. So we can go now. We can go in. This I think is where you're going to be very interested. Uh, Twenty four. And I wrote a book that was based on those three scientific reports called Deadly Innocence, my ninth book, wherein I had to conclude that the dentist, based on all the evidence, using the FBI's own behavioral science literature, how they themselves investigate and evaluate these types of cases, that this dentist, scientifically trained military dentist for much of his career, very intelligent dentist, believed that he was dying of a virus that the government had created. They covered that up. He believed that they had intentionally injected this virus during a 1978 experimental hepatitis B vaccine that was given to a lover of his that he had in 1985. And that's how he got infected. And he believed that this was genocide. And he believed in what was called the World Health Organization Theory of AIDS. The videotape that Danny stated he saw, the Strecker Memorandum, was what Dr. David Acker believed. That the World Health Organization, the United States Public Health Service, Centers for Disease Control, had something to do with the development of these types of viruses and the deployment of them through hepatitis B and other vaccines in Africa and North America. Oh, man, you are opening up a deep rabbit hole that was pretty dusty. I had that one closed a long time, brother, a long time ago. I'm like, oh, man, he's taking me back to the Strecker Memorandum. Nothing like a revisited rabbit hole. Uh, so, Damn you. Damn you, more facts. <laughs> so... Uh, since we uh, re-earthed uh, this rabbit hole, let's go ahead and jump into yeah. the Strecker Strick- well, Memorandum. Now, do we need to set it up about what it was, or is that a, a uh, well, ex- I think he explained it. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, well, let's just give a little setup. Uh, this is this guy that makes a case, Dr. Robert Strecker. He makes his case, which it was six parts. I found it on YouTube. I secured it on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Uh, For whatever that means, we'll get a content strike, I'm sure. No, what I'm saying is I secured, I downloaded the actual video oh, just in oh, case for archives. But yes, as you see in the title, it said disappeared. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> this thing keeps keep getting taken down. Um, but he makes the case that AIDS was created in a lab. Uh, well, not created. Well, it was, well, AIDS was created in a lab and it got out somehow. He didn't say if it was intentional or if it was by accident. But he just makes the case that AIDS was created yeah. in a lab and you escaped. Know what? I'm glad that this is not a COVID show. I'm glad to. AIDS, the most devastating biological catastrophe the world has ever known. This disease will kill more people this year than all other viral diseases combined. According to Dr. Robert Strecker, AIDS is a man-made, genetically engineered virus that was either accidentally or deliberately introduced into the world's population. AIDS is not a homosexual disease. AIDS is not a venereal disease. AIDS did not originate from the green monkey. AIDS is not prevented by the use of condoms. And AIDS is not likely to ever be cured by a vaccine. I realize what you've just heard 
contradicts most of what you've been told about AIDS. In this program, Dr. Robert Strecker will present documented evidence that refutes the official stand taken by so-called AIDS experts, members of the research community, and the government. And now, let's find out the truth about AIDS. Yeah! Now we're cooking with gas. So, okay. So we got to back up a little bit and go back to what uh, Dr. Horowitz is saying. He said he found out about this scenario of the acres the dentist acres was give, giving people intentionally aids mm-hmm. because his lover had gotten aids through a uh uh hepatitis vaccine mm-hmm. and out of anger he started to infect people uh and this me- uh, memorandum supports what acres believed so I'm just filling everybody in where I mean it's a little disjointed, but I want to make sure everybody is caught up to speed on where we're at with this. Yep. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get to part two of the uh, Stricker. I'm Dr. Robert Strucker, a practicing internist and gastroenterologist in Los Angeles. I have a special interest in pharmacology, pathology, and now AIDS. I became interested in the AIDS question several years ago in doing a health maintenance proposal, basically an insurance proposal for Security Pacific Bank, a bank here in California. More and more members of the medical and research community, such as Dr. Peter Duesberg, the University of California at Berkeley, Dr. John Seal, a member of the Royal Society of Medicine of London, and Dr. Alan Cantwell, who has recently finished a third book on AIDS, this one on the origin of AIDS, are questioning the validity of the popular view about AIDS, which has failed to scientifically explain the disease. So I've decided it's time that someone tells you the truth about AIDS. So in this program, I will show you how the AIDS virus was actually predicted, requested, produced, deployed, and now threatens the very existence of mankind because it works. To understand why I believe that the AIDS virus came out of a laboratory rather than out of the jungles of Africa, you have to understand several important concepts which I will address in the next few minutes. These concepts actually include an understanding of of viruses, bacteria, human cell lines, tissue culture, and manipulation of all of those things in the laboratory. What's really cool about this uh, repeat or rinse, yeah, rinse, repeat cycle <laughs> that uh, that it's if this were a COVID show, uh-huh. um, what's really cool about it, which is not, <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> so, in hearing all of this, now we need to go back and let's remember what Rev- Reverend Wright said about uh, goddamn America it giving people A's. He's going off of these people's facts. Uh, and, and now we got to bring it back into why it was a psyop. It was that, oh, well, the role that psyop plays on, on you're saying so-called black Americans, because we were hearing this in rap songs. We were hearing this in church. This, we were yes. hearing this in barbershop. Now, now, now I know what I was going to say, and, it's, and it, it makes you, it leads you into this point. So we have, you know, this grainy YouTube video, which has been disappeared multiple times as pretty much one of the last pieces of evidence. So you can go out and you can go get the, uh, you can read the, the, uh, the Strecker report, mm-hmm. but nothing quite as powerful as seeing him at the blackboard, you know, and, and explaining what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what is happening today with with you know now we have all of this these different avenues all of this media all of these things like even even reverend Wright, there's only really one or two little pieces so you know while the cycle is rinsing repeating we have become so much more communicative amongst ourselves and have figuring stuff out over here and i think that's the fundamental flaw of what I'm going to jump to the end. Of course, I totally believe that this is all the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just stuffed that away into a deep, dark closet until you opened the door. Thank you very much. Right, because the, the door had closed on your side. That's right. For but, mine, not, but not and, for you. And, exactly. For mine and my side, this thing is still brewing. It's like, hold on, AIDS is still still killing people. I mean, like you heard um, uh, um, the guy came out uh, four, 14 years later and say he had AIDS mm-hmm. uh, I forget his name Bobby uh, uh, Porter mm-hmm. I, I think forgot his name but, Billy, Billy Porter uh, Billy Porter yeah you hear him come out this thing is still fresh um, and it's unresolved uh, and I want to say one thing because why people are like well who is Reverend Wright Reverend Wright was is a healthcare professional in the military that cared for uh i think lyndon baines johnson yeah yeah okay. so he's <laughs> people don't know no, that just, they don't know that yeah he's not just some i mean when you hear reverend they might think reverend jesse jackson or al sharpman right. no we're talking about somebody that worked for the government that um had allegiance well, to the government well like all reverends that, do <laughs> <laughs> eventually but i'm just saying he he's a he was i mean he was uh, loyal enough to care for our American pe- president, they actually have pictures of them together. So, this is not some kind of fly by night guy that's throwing, throwing around these uh, allegations. Right. So, I just want to make that clear. But this is where his teachings is coming from. But the psyop is how now it's like, oh, no, no, AIDS is, 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 is a square deal. And we've seen this. I brought this up before, but I'm saying not to belabor the point, but we saw this with OJ. It was very clear when OJ was found innocent, a lot of black people either thought he was innocent or went along with that he was innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't question it. You know what I'm yeah. It's like, sure. Uh, right. So it was the same thing with AIDS. It was like, no, AIDS, man made. You know, the government gave us AIDS. I think um, even Kanye has a line that alludes to that. Um, oh, all the greats have slipped it in. Yeah. All of them. So have. I'm. So I'm just saying, oh, like, so, we, but but I'm sorry to come back to that. Go ahead. So that it's been in hip hop. That that is the main the main point here is now now it's open to everybody. It's not necessarily just hip hop. Hip hop was didn't have the distribution it has today, but it was definitely the CNN. One of the most popular songs in I want to say R and B hip hop history, Waterfalls. The first verse is about an age patient, age mm-hmm. aged patient, little precious. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we're talking about so tens of millions of albums. That's like one. I mean, I wonder how many Grammys that song won. I mean, that's how ingrained it was in the culture. Um, so when you hear somebody with uh, the reach and, uh, you know, the respectability of a Reverend Wrights preaching that in his church, you can see how this thing got set in. But now it's now we can go, like I said, we can go back. Thank God, uh, archivists saved these tapes uploaded these tapes uh so we can revisit and we can if you look backwards you can oftentimes see the future um with that said uh where are we at 27 yes we are 
in essence, I have to conclude at the end of that case that the dentist most plausibly was an, identical to an organized serial killer. He maintained a classic organized serial killer personality. You know, like the Unabomber? These people, they all, according to the FBI, kill for the sake of power, control, and revenge. Revenge being the major theme. And the principal issue, his principal vendetta was screaming loud and clear in the legal testimonies that was against the federal government. In essence, I concluded that he created a crime. He did what all organized serial killers love to do. They manipulate the authorities into Catch-22s. The Unabomber, he publishes his manifesto in the New York Times, Washington Post. says, here's what I believe, you try to get me. David Acker, the Florida dentist, was virtually identical to this. In essence, he created a crime, a mystery that could not be solved without implicating the government. Because if they told the truth, if they said he was an organized serial killer, then the whole world would want no motive. And the motive was screaming loud and clear in the legal testimony, which they buried. So, there was one document, however, that came along with that videotape called the Strecker Memorandum that Strecker sent to David Acker. And it was the most horrifying document I had ever seen. It was a 1970 Department of Defense appropriations request for $10 million for a five-year study to develop immune system ravaging microorganisms for germ warfare. Oh, man, what does that sound like? Happy this is not a COVID show. Gain-of-function research, anybody? He was a, an equivalent to the serial, I mean, to the Unabomber. To say, I'm going to do some killings. That way, if you investigate it, you got to investigate the whole story. Right. Which, he wasn't just some crazy guy in Florida, or allegedly some crazy guy in Florida was in, as he was painting in the news. And, and to be, and to be, the interesting part is, in that whole news segment that I played, I, lift, I, I just clipped it. But, I mean, it was like a three-part series. Uh -huh. His name was never mentioned like that. He was never a part of the story. Huh. Who he was, nothing. It was just like, yeah, this guy, this dentist. Uh, yes, and then it right. kind of glossed right. over it. I mean, this guy was a military dentist. He was involved in his community. Big time golf guy, I think, down in, down in Florida. Um, you know, pillar of the community. And then he just goes on this uh, quiet rampage of infecting patients and nobody asks why. Damn, man. By the way, I put the uh, the waterfall lyrics into the show notes. Not everybody uh, might have known that about the about the lyrics. Yeah, that's that first the first verse is about age patient, mm -hmm. age patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So now we got to go back and listen to Fauci, and this is Doctor <laughs> Fauci. This is the blurb. Doctor Fauci, director of National Institute of Allergies and Infections Infectious Disease at the National Institute of Health, the NIH talks about the prospect of bioterrorism and the safety and ethics of publishing potentially dangerous scientific information in the interconnected world. So this is, um, he's speaking to the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and he's talking about anthrax. Bioterror is, there's always the potential for bioterror. And we have a major biodefense research and development effort that spans agencies from the NIH to do the basic research to be able to develop better vaccines, how you counter engineered microbes, how you approach drug resistance engineered microbes. The CDC has surveillance mechanisms to determine if there's new microbes 
foods or anything out there in society particularly toxic that could be used in a bioterrorist situation. The Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, we do all of that. Having said that, the worst bioterrorist is nature itself. Nature is very good at evolving microbes to create problems, much smarter than any terrorist. So what we've tried to do over the years is to use the expertise, the resources to allow us to respond better to a deliberate affront or attack on us with a microbe of any type engineered or what have you, to use that knowledge to better prepare us for what we know will happen. We don't know whether we will ever have an attack on us in the United States or elsewhere using biological weapons. We absolutely know that we will have the evolution of a new disease naturally occurring that will impact society. And the reason is because history has told us that that will happen. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with this. I'm familiar with this piece of his. Yeah, I, so, I, I, just, I despise that this guy is even talking about uh, uh, bioterrorism. Not, he, should, he should not be a part of this, but he is. But what he's saying is we got to stay out in front of nature, of which course. is the justification of for because nature's going to kill us. Yeah. Well, let's create let's let's create what nature can create can create before nature, and that goes back to the original <laughs> clip that says we have to be better than nature. Yeah, let's be better than nature. How do you do that by creating what it will create before it creates it, so we can come up with the, with the uh, resolution? And and that is the which I'm trying to humanize Fauci here in this in this point. Oh, I have, a, I have a very hard time. Thing. I have a very hard time. Well, you know, you, you, what, what I'm saying is, if he's saying, if he's acting in good faith, of we're trying to beat nature to the punch, so we know how to counter it. That could be a way of humanizing him, and but it's irresponsible. <laughs> it's yeah. very irresponsible, but it could be couched. Like I said, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Uh, so <laughs> this is, look, um, if it, I'm sorry, he's he's part of the one percent. He's a lizard. Well, maybe that's why he feels comfortable around working around these things. Exactly. Like, I, won't, I won't catch it. What a mask! I'm going in the lab. You saying nothing on? Watch me. Hold my beer. Uh, so uh, let's get to the part two of what could probably go wrong with bioterrorism. I can't predict to you when the next one will be. Hopefully it won't be for a very, very long time, but it will happen. There's no doubt it will happen. So instead of looking at in, wow. in two separate silos of biodefense for biological threats that are deliberate and countermeasures for naturally occurring, you should essentially pool the science so that you could do both. Well, I think that... that where we are right now in science and molecular biology and particularly molecular virology and our ability to sequence and recombine and, and create various organisms in some respect <laughs> is that the best way to prevent a nefarious act is to, create to <laughs> develop a culture of responsibility oh. among scientists. You, you have to have some um, restrictions in the sense of you don't do work that could actually hurt people in the sense of if you have a laboratory accident you have to have the right containment uh, 
once you start being too restrictive, you then impede creativity for so many of the good things that could come out of the same type of work. Mm. So if you develop a culture of responsibility, the vast, 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 vast majority of work on that area will be done for the betterment of mankind. There are always going to be the bad guys around somewhere, someplace. You would hope that they don't have the opportunity to do something that is going to ultimately hurt mankind. When I say that, I get back to what I mentioned just a moment ago, that the chances of nature creating something really bad is much better than we mere mortal humans doing it. Wow. In short, the only way to stop a bad guy with a virus is a good guy with a virus. (laughs) Wow, that's a mind bender. That's how he looked. That's why, and the yeah. reason why I try to humanize anybody, one, give everybody the benefit of the doubt till you have exact proof. The, oh, but the other thing is, if we're trying to reach people that may believe he's acting in good faith, you have to communicate on their level mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, he, I understand. He might was trying to get out in front of nature. I get it. But that didn't stop the fact that it they created AIDS. And it escaped. You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we, two things can be true. What we always talk about. So if we want oh, to reach yeah, both, these people, both can be true. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, absolutely. So, but we want to reach those people that we're trying to communicate with and not get siloed. We have to see it the way they see it. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Okay, I can see how you can see that he was acting in good faith. That still doesn't absolve him from the fact that when you start playing around and playing God, basically what you're doing. Um, it can have significant uh, ramifications. Or uh, if you, and I think that this is probably the case with uh, Bill Gates and uh, Fauci, likely. Uh, there's a new book out, which I've been reading by uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Briggins. I think it's uh, Peter and Ginger Briggins. It's called COVID-19 and Global Predators. We are the prey. And uh you can totally humanize uh, Fauci because he's hung up on. He's not. He's not necessarily the person who wants to kill everybody. I mean, he could be a lizard. I'm not ruling that. No, out. but he he could, he could be the lizard that is, you know. There's different kinds of lizards too. I'm sure they got a hierarchy. But right. the, but but my point is that you know this this is this could be so big. This could be a. It's what I've always felt. This is a trail that just leads through all these things and. Yeah, you know, we're 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 not really going to do anything with uh, Zika or with Ebola, but I totally I'm so on board with this uh, with this pathway. It's 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 repeating the it, the whole thing repeats. We're going to see even more repeating, but first we got to continue to thank the producers that allow us to have this uh, conversation. I understand that there's some people out there who need my services. Yes, Lord. Are there any people out there who are weak? Yes. Yes. Any people out there who are weary? Yes. Any people out there who are tired? Yes. Any people out there who just need a heal? Yes. Y'all got cash. Yes. Well, then come on down. I love this one. Take your cash down. Hey, why don't you? This is. Uh, we want to thank our the rest of our producers, of course, for producing episode number sixty nine. A great way to do this. He's with Value for Value. It's Podcasting 2.0. Um, now, there's a little learning to it, but of course, all things that, you know, freedom never comes easy. 
you always got to take that one extra step. Uh, so, you know, just like the early days of podcasting, subscribing wasn't all that easy. So now how do you, uh, wind up sending us little pieces of Bitcoin called Satoshis every single minute you listen, uh, go to newpodcastapps.com, try one of those new apps that does value for value, uh, and, uh, and give it a shot. It's a great way to build up long-term support, a real base for what we're doing here. And it's in Bitcoin. So we, we hope that will continue to go up and we're just holding on to it. We're just stacking those sats. We also love your fiat fund coupons. Uh, you can support us by going to mofax.com, uh, hit the donate button. And here's what we have um, from Sam Smock, who I know, Smock, Smock, Smock. One masterpiece after another, he says, for $36.33 donation. Thanks for the important education. And he wanted me to stress that by saying two T's, not important. Benjamin Ellis, 3333, just a little, not representative of the massive value I receive, but I'll sort that out soon. 333 Australian dollar dues when it converted was 2342 which I was also fine with some MJJR vibes peace uh MJJR vibes what am I missing uh, I don't know I don't know what that is uh 3333 from Justin D says blow my mind on the Babbitt Floyd polarity that was a great show that was very good I love how people are going back and checking out older episodes or maybe just uh, catching up slowly. Eric Hoff, $30, watching live on YouTube right now. Thanks for those great shows, Mo. Yeah, there you go. The lives every Wednesday. It's either the live show or it's the lost tapes. Mm-hmm. Anthony Demos, $25. Great show. Lots of useful info. Just been binge listening recently. Enjoy every podcast so far. Keep it up. And he's got a fist bump. Paul E. Lovato, $25. Lizard people, wizard people. Life is interesting. These are notes I can stand behind. <laughs> Robert Conti, $25. Thank you very much. Miguel Espinal, $20.53. And $20 from David Bosch. And let's see, what does he have here? Does he have a, he has a rather long note. Anything here that uh, he was saying we should mention, uh, Mo? Uh, just his journey with USDA 497. I just want to make sure, was it something else coming or is that your collect uh, total? I just want to make sure we didn't miss you out. Oh, 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 yeah. He says, uh, my journey with $497 continues with episode 68. So we haven't seen that? No, I, I mean, I think, it, I think he's like adding it up. It's, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sure. oh, okay. Okay, cool. All right, man, David. Well, uh, we will keep uh, keep track of uh, for you as well as you should of your own donation. Thank you. <laughs> $20. Uh, Ned uh, L. Ayers third for the Fax family, 20 bucks. Thanks again, Mo, says Taylor Stagg with 20 uh, uh, Chef Elvis, $20, no note, but we need a cancel cannon. <laughs> Andrea, $20, and uh, we thank Wesley Olson for $15 support. And he said, what is this, $150 for viewer karma? I'm not sure what this means, Mo. I don't know either. Okay. I mean, I just, this is note. Uh, Booberry comes back in with eleven eleven. And wants it credited to uh, Bully Steed for peerage considerations. Uh, she sent 33, 33 to split between Mo, Lavish, and myself. Okay, well, you guys keep track of that. We'll trust you on that. Joshua Marmino, 1027. Steven Vericker, uh, $10. Uh, wants a D dead beating. Congratulations. You're no longer. A deadbeat. Anna Dooley Coaching, thank you for what you do with $10. Joy Lead, thank you for your $10. Dwight M. Warren, 
with $10. We appreciate that. David Ackerman with 9 for Value for Value episode 68. Kevin Simone, $6 for sustaining donations. Vincent Farrell, five fifty five says, loving the new schedule. Thank you. We're doing it for you, too. Matthew Miller, $5.13. David Chalona, $5. Thanks, Mo. The Tin Foil Content says Yarborough with $5. Dwight comes in again with 5 And thank you, Dwight Warren. And Chef Elvis again with 5 And Yarborough with 5 Oh, my goodness. Everyone's just doubling down for the shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Terry, the human subscription. Keller, $4.11. Still no automatic subscription, but we see your four eleven, and we love you for it, Terry. And winding it out is Diego Lopez Crane. Uh, $1.33, pass it forward, New York, Gateway to Freedom, 1788. Thank you all for producing episode number 69 of MoFax with Adam Curry. Um, and remember, it's not just the bi-weekly podcast, but also the lost tapes. And go to MoFax.com to find out everything you need to know. Uh, follow us on the socials. And for direct support, go to MoFundMe.com. Thanks again. <laughs> All right, so now we got to get into how they try to uh, handle the disinformation, uh, the disinformation, quote unquote, different disinformation uh, with their normal tactic. When you hear the term fake news, you probably think <laughs> about how it's used often today by President Trump. But it's actually an old term used by the Soviet Union as a reference to disinformation campaigns that the Soviets and now the Russians have long used to destabilize the West. It worked before, and it's working again now. That is the tale told by Operation Infection, Russian disinformation from Cold War to Kanye, a riveting three-part series released by the New York Times' Adam Westbrook and Adam Ellis who joins me in the studio now. Adam, great to see you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot of talk about Russian disinformation, of course, in 2016, even 2018, uh, but this started long before, uh, as as your film demonstrates. Uh, And I want to show a clip from the film that starts with two KGB defectors who said disinformation had one goal. To change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. Within the KGB is a department that specializes in planting false stories and forged documents. We know it was run from Department A, right at the top of the KGB, and it had a multi-million dollar budget. At least 15,000 people who, in the Soviet Union and outside of the Soviet Union, are involved in that kind of actions on regular daily basis. 15,000 people creating disinformation, stories as seemingly crazy as the U.S. created aid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Russians. Got it. Yes, Russians. Of course. Even, even, even with A's, it was yeah, the Russians. It was the Russians, man. This, those guys are so good. Can I interest you in a little bit of Operation Infection? I'd love some Operation Infection. You And it's with a K, by the way. With a K. Of infection. course with a K. Okay. Yes. 32. Okay, so to start, let's go back to July 1983 and all the way over here, New Delhi, India. 
This is when a remarkable story appears in a newspaper called The Patriot. It claims the HIV virus was secretly created by US government scientists as a weapon to kill African Americans and gay people. <laughs> it even names a facility, Fort Detrick in Maryland, where the virus was supposed to have been concocted. It's a crazy allegation printed in a small newspaper. No big deal, right? But fast forward just a couple of years and look what's happening. The story is spreading all over Africa. A scientific report's even published by two East German biologists who say they can prove AIDS is made in the USA. All these articles are from just a few months at the end of 1986. And then somehow it ends up here. A Soviet military publication claims the virus that causes AIDS leaked from a U.S. Army laboratory conducting experiments in biological warfare. That's Dan Rather reading a fake news story to millions of unwitting Americans on national TV. But don't be too hard on Dan. This was one of the greatest cons ever carried out on a global scale. And we're going to show you how it was pulled off. I, I just, just before we continue, I just want to confirm <laughs> something you said earlier. Um... That if uh, if anyone with any so-called black person or the majority of so-called black people, if they're being honest when asked, uh, you know, without uh, microphones or cameras, uh, AIDS, uh, they would say, oh, yeah, everyone knows that was created in a lab to kill black people. Well, they would say something fishy was going on. I don't know if they would go to that extent, but they would say, eh. Right. Okay. It, lo- it looks that way. Okay. They might not be as adamant as... Right. You hear, but even this say even a non-conspiratorial mm-hmm. person that watches the news every day. Yeah, well, this comes on Dan Rather. My dad watched Dan Rather mm-hmm. every night, mm-hmm. right after the local news and right before a uh, Will of Fortune. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if he hears that, what is wrong with you, black people? The, the communists are continuously giving you false information. That's how it seems, right? So, I mean, <laughs> what but, is wrong on, with but, you? But hold on, hold on. Let's look at the other way, though. Well, maybe the-, the Soviets recognize a weakness that they can exploit. Exploit. Mm-hmm. It's not that the weakness doesn't, the fissure doesn't exist, and they're manufacturing it. It's that they realize that it's a fissure there, like like we talked about back in uh, with the communism coming through in the south with uh, how sharecropping was going on. Well, that and, of course, fast forward to Marxism and BLM. I mean, it's a lot in between. I mean, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. it's a lot. If you watch the show, The Americans. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't. They had a uh, storyline in there where the Russians was working with a revolution, black Americans, uh, revolutionary black Americans back in the early 80s, mm-hmm. late 70s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a running theme. Uh, like I said, that doesn't say that the fissure doesn't exist and they're manufacturing it. it. It could be that they just realize that that's a weak point. Right. So I'm just so Dan Rather, he's he's pushing this story. <laughs> Good old Dan. <laughs> the KGB let the story go quiet for a couple of years after India. But with AIDS still making scary headlines in 85, they revived it this time in a prominent Moscow newspaper. And the source for this story? You guessed it. It's brilliant, really. They've repeated the story, but concealed their hand, distancing themselves from the lie they started. 
So we're now into 1986, and the KGB want to add gravitas to this lie. So they look around for a scientist, a human face, someone who could back up the lie with data. And, no joke, this is the dude they found. This is Dr. Jacob Segal. Remember I said the report had two authors? Well, here comes the co-author now. It's his wife, Lily. Believe it or not, these two wrote that report that claimed to have evidence AIDS was created in a U.S. government lab. This scientific gobbledygook. And, you know, you read this stuff and who can understand it? But it purports to be proof. But the thing is, it worked. The KGB made sure the Segal report was read by journalists all over Africa and they kept on pushing it until it went, well, viral. It appeared in 200 reports in 80 countries. Even the Daily Express in London runs with it. And finally, on March 30th, 1987, the KGB hits the jackpot. A Soviet military publication claims, claims the, the virus, virus causes AIDS leaked. leaked. You brought up a great point last year that, I mean, last show about the amplification of news. And that's kind of like what we're doing now mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. when we just deconstruct it. It's kind of like the same thing that they're using there, right? They put it in, but in reverse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. in a little paper mm-hmm. and it works its way up to the mainstream. Now in reverse, we've reverse engineered it that when it comes from the mainstream, we reverse engineer it and it disseminates out through smaller outlets like ours. Well, also, we are able to use collective memory. And that collective memory is YouTube. That collective memory is, for better or for worse, uh, Google. But, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of data being created that we're now starting to learn how to find and not necessarily uh, have to go through all the you know, all the, the, the beaten paths that have been laid out before us. So, yeah. And they're, and they're in a catch-22 because they can't sanitize their platforms because they don't create a competitor. So it's like, let's cover it with the, all this asinine, mind-numbing material. It's, it's better to do that. It's better to just throw all kinds, just throw everything out and call everything a conspiracy. Yeah. confuse everybody because that's the hard part you know i know that i know there are people who are going to email me and say you are crazy curry and and here's what they'll say age doesn't exist curry really that's what they're going to say not not that i said that verbatim that way but uh yeah i have uh, big doubts about all of this and, and i'm not saying that because something's killing like I, the same approach that i took with covid something's killing these people you see what I'm saying? I mean, we had that happen before. Yes. Something's killing them. Now, yes. is it, it purported it, as they're as they're saying? Well, is what, it, you know, what, what something's is, killing people? Yes. Yeah. In okay, I'm not a doctor, so this is this is only my my opinion. But if you look at truly what AIDS is, autoimmunodeficiency syndrome. Mm-hmm. But this can be caused by many many things. Right. You just lump everything in. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, I completely understand. What, 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 what really was killing people, Mo? What's really killing people is uh, sugary drinks, crap food, processed food, bull crap life, no sunlight, unhappiness, mm-hmm. uh, SSRIs, Adderall, heroin, oxy. You know, it's amazing. So many people are still living. They haven't been able to kill us with this. Damn it! Give them a virus. <laughs> and, and and it's like well we the sexual path doesn't work we gotta go we gotta go respiratory we gotta go airborne yes you know, we can't speak, even speak get up. them like all they do is is they're like bunnies we have to they can't stop them with this they won't stop 
Yeah. So it's clear what their goal is. Yeah, uh, kill us. Uh, what, to kill us. <laughs> I'm glad we agree. 99% got to go, which leaves 1% of, of lizards. Of lizards. I, I, it's amazing how that math works out. I'm just... <laughs> Y'all do the math yourself. But, uh, right. Will we stop at thirty three? Uh, yeah, no, we're we're already at thirty five. Last one of the. Okay, let's get, well, let's go ahead and finish up this, this set. This campaign had a KGB code name. They called it Operation Infection. Well, hey, hey, something happened with life. that clip. I'm sorry. Something happened with that clip. It went garbly glue, and then oh no, I don't so- know if it happened on your end. No, no, is so- that the clip? Yeah, it sounded good here. Okay, my fault. Yeah, no worries, no worries. We'll hit it again. This campaign had a KGB code name. They called it Operation Infection. Well, that's a life, a half a lifetime ago. This was handed out at a demonstration. I was so angry that they accused the United States of creating the AIDS virus because I knew how effective that was going to be as a tool against us. And it angered me. Operation Infection, one of the most audacious and successful fake news stories ever created. And for America, the impact was toxic. Foreign governments actually believed that the U.S. was creating this biological warfare agent. For them to think that damages their view of the United States, not only as a culture, but it taints all of our policies. It's in the backs of their minds every time they discuss anything with us. Now, with so much at stake, you might be wondering what the U.S. response to all this was. Well, you're watching it. Kathleen and Todd were both part of something called the Active Measures Working Group. Nicknamed Truth Squads, it was a team that tracked and tried to expose Soviet disinformation. Hey, 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 Truth Squads. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the genesis of uh, fact checkers. That's right. Truth Squad. Oh, man. That's and, good. And at, that's good. And as she said, when you're dealing with people, it's going to be stuck in the back of their head. So now you see what I was saying at the top of the show. When you come to me and talk to me about medical and trust this and trust that, it's like, hey, what about AIDS? There was, you know, I saw this. Okay. I'm just scrolling through something here for a second. Uh-huh. Someone sent me a link um, that was that. Here we go. Oh, you, this is gonna this is gonna trip you out. Okay, <laughs> this is this is um, we're doing it live, everybody. Okay, this, live. this is a response from uh, the Insect Group. Then it was a report written in August 2021 to refute. The report examines a newly discovered campaign aimed at discrediting the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, And so this was commissioned by, of course, Pfizer. 
to go out and it's, it's a professional uh, report. But mm-hmm. the true title of this report is Operation Secondary Infection with a K targets Pfizer vaccine. October 2020, 2021. Secondary infection. Secondary mm. infection with a K. Operation Secondary Infection. Target. <laughs> this is. Holy crap! Do you realize how big this is? Because you, the, operation, the original Operation Infection was 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 the the cover i'll just call it what it is the cover for the aids uh debacle yep and now they're using operation second infection with a k oh my goodness and then you have this piece come out from the new york times wow to to refresh you on what the first operation infection was so when the second one hits you already been seated. That was a rare no agenda Mofax flow over. If I ever saw it, that was great. That was that was pretty sexy. <laughs> that was good. I'm just sitting back like we're doing that shit live, bro? man. We're pulling that live. You, you, wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh. All right. I got to compose, compose myself. Uh, it, it's, it, it's in the show notes, so people can go take a look at it for themselves. I didn't, uh, but I always try to make the point. If you look backwards, you can see the future. We they do it to us first. I hope people understand that. And it's what this does is, is it caught. This is where distrust and systematic racism and all this stuff comes in. It it's not one person and one thing. It's this psyop yeah. that we're blanketed with, and it's like we don't forget. We we do not forget. Now some people go into formation. Mm-hmm. Yes, mass uh, formation. Uh, yeah, yeah, the mass formation to get along, go along to get along. You know, uh, they're they're not immune to the mind control. But if you live this, you knew every time before a sexual encounter, AIDS popped into your head. Yep. Now you know every single you, time you breathe or you see a person without a mask, exactly. it's all bam like, in your head. It's like like asking somebody to have sex without a condom. Like, are you crazy? Sex without a condom, which, if you think about it, condoms depopulation. Hello, yep, I yep, mean, yep. hello. Mm-hmm. How many babies were not born due to condom wear? It's a win-win. I mean, win. <laughs> if 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 you don't use a condom, you die of AIDS. If you use a condom, there's no babies. Yay! Yeah. So now uh, that's going international psyop. I have to bring people to the domestic psyop. Okay. And the original <laughs> super spreader. So we're going to start here. We got to go back to a clip. Well, this is not a clip. This is a piece i pulled a clip from but this is another segment of it and this is in search of good pussy by don spears oprah winfrey and uh all these women have different programs to help enable black females but who's trying to help black males and i mean right now there's 6.6 million people in jail most of those people are black males nobody is really doing anything for them um Essence, the Essence Music Festival was in New Orleans, the 4th of July weekend. Tom Jarner said it looked like 60 women for every one man. I was there. That's what it looked like. And it was insane to see that many women and no men. So where were the men? There was a clear signal being sent because men are like uh, a shark with blood in the water. If there are women there, the men are going to be there. But for some reason, the women were there. 
but the men were not. And even the uh, women who were there, they pulled out their money or credit cards, bought what they wanted, smiled with their girlfriends, and went on about their business. I know of uh, neighborhoods now where you have uh, most of the people on, on uh, houses on the block are black females. No men. They have their own houses, their own credit cards, their own BMWs. The only thing they need a man for is sex. And many of them have boy toys. They can pick up the phone, do a Terry McMillan, you know, uh, get a groove back on, and then send him about his way, and there's still no connection. Wow. I know you lost. Yeah. I know that was a hard right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you. I mean, this is okay. not this is not news to me because of our work together. But yeah, uh-huh. lay it on me. Stella, got, uh, how Stella got her groove back. So that was about a woman going out to Jamaica, mm-hmm. and she gets with a boy toy, a young boy toy, and they fall happy in love. Well, that was based off of Terry McMillan's real life, but in it, in that how it plays out, it comes to find out that her who she got her groove back with happens to be a gay man. And that birthed the term down low brother, which was the original uh, super spreader. Oh, <laughs> that's me doing yes. the sound effect. Yeah. So how this plays out. Wait, wait, is, wait, 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 stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop. White man catching up slow. So on the down low is a derivative of all that. Yes. <laughs> Little do they know. Down down low, and explain for people what down low is, that's a heterosexual, no, it's a gay man or a bisexual man living undercover, dating women, and little to her knowledge that he's gay, which that's how you explain the numbers of gay men being high for AIDS, black women being high for AIDS, but not the heterosexual man. What it did was it caused a major, which we haven't conquered yet. And was that was that dish- and was uh, the right? download boy? Is that what you said? Download boy, download brother. Oh, download brother. Sorry, uh, undercover brother. <laughs> didn't mean didn't mean to bring the boy word in. Oh no, I, I got what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, so so that that uh, was the term super spreader actually used in connection with with a download brother, right? Because that's how it jumped from the homosexual community into the heterosexual community. Wow, you following me? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, of course. So, so I mean, I'm just, I'm just making I me. Mean, I, it was a hard right, so I want to make sure everybody else is following along too. So they did this ruse, I think, of her going through this humiliation ritual with her being Terry McMillan Millen on Oprah's show. They bring this clearly gay man, which I say that loosely. You know what I'm saying? Because <clears throat> you can have effeminate men, which mm-hmm. are heterosexual, but mm-hmm. um, made for TV bring, gay man. Right, they bring him out here. She goes through this humiliation ritual, and what it does is start to embed this belief that see, because if you're openly gay, you're not a problem. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that ruled out offending gay men. Oh, it's those, this was a, it's a those, this was an attack on all black men. No, not all black men. Because if you're gay, you're good. Because <clears throat> you're honest. Well, if you're out, no, no. Truth. I mean, if you're out, but if you're not out, then you're automatically considered to be a possible super spreader. You're a super spreader. Yes. Oh, that's evil. Which to this day, you hear people say, "Oh, he's an undercover brother." Oh, he because that's kind of the worst of both worlds. Because <laughs> one, you're not living in your truth, 
and then you're bringing over the the high potential because I said at, at, in some southern states uh, and across America, one out of every two gay men have HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. And I'm lumping those together, but you know, but for sake of saying it, you know. So yeah, that's how it jump. That's that's the explanation for the jump Got from it. the gay community to the black woman community. Got it. So now we're going to get into 37 and watch this uh, ruse play out. When I honored 25 remarkable women who paved the way for me and countless others at my Legends Ball back in 2005, I asked Terry to be there because she, too, is a young legend. I've looked up to her as a mentor, sister friend, and respected her work and continue to respect her work. And I was really surprised that she was in this situation, actually. Did you feel, obviously, betrayed? Yes. Yeah. It is betrayal. Yeah. yeah. And deception. Yeah. Yes. Do you feel like you missed signs that were there? Um, no, because I'd never been betrayed this way before. Mm-hmm. I'd never been with a man that I knew was cheating, period. And Do you think, he, was, he, was he cheating? Because he told you yes. that he was cheating. You think he's going to tell the truth? I don't know. They lie about that. But you said that he said at the time that he had never they. acted on it. Mm-hmm. But you didn't believe that, obviously. Okay. I, I said, okay. that's like saying you're an alcoholic and you haven't had a drink. Uh-huh. So, what does he do? He had an epiphany in his sleep? Yeah. Wow. Now, this is the thing about this show. This is the thing. I've known Terry McMillan through her work and her art and her talent and her books. And I was surprised that she, number one, wanted to come on TV and talk about this. <laughs> you were surprised, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Gee. And just if, for people that don't may not know Stella got her groove back, she also penned Waiting to Exhale. Which is a meme factory. The car, the light, the woman lighting a cigarette and setting the car on fire and walking away. Mm-hmm. This action to all our memories. This is the author of that book, which it also has a uh, has a character in there that uh, I forget her name. She always plays everybody's mama in black movies, but she's married to a gay man. But she had a child by a gay man, and he goes off and leaves her mm-hmm. with an adult son. Well, so I'm man, just saying, and, this and, is... And, yeah. and there's Oprah again, you know? <laughs> Oprah bringing yeah. it to the masses. I told you it's domestic rollout. <laughs> just yeah. like how yeah. that was international sci-art rollout. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. was the domestic rollout here. Uh, the, the original super spreader. So let's go ahead and get into 38. Okay, Jonathan, come on out. Let us meet you. I was even more surprised that Jonathan wanted to come on TV and talk about it. This is your chance to say to the world, were you lying to Terry about your sexuality all those six years? No, I wasn't lying about my sexuality. You were not lying? No, I wasn't. So when First of all, it's pretty apparent to me and I think a lot of other people when they see Jonathan that, you know, something else was going on there. But I think that somewhere inside herself, if she were absolutely honest, she knew something was off. 
even if she couldn't say that he's gay, she knew something wasn't right. Because, wasn't as right. we're going to speak about in future lessons here, you always get that little feeling. I call it a whisper. And the whisper is exactly that. It feels like, hmm, something's off. And then you allow yourself to tell yourself that it's something else or that it isn't what you actually really think it is. You don't use your own instinct, your own intuition, and allow yourself to be put in a position that you later have to suffer the consequences. And then get angry. (laughs) This goes back to prove your point, which you were saying before. Imagine her saying that about a white gay person or a lesbian. Like, oh, you know, they look like they're a gay. You know, something about them. <laughs> something's not right. Something, Something's off. <laughs> Imagine her saying that about anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Other than a black man. It would be it would be a scandal. I mean, a scandal. But for a black man, oh, yeah, he looked like he was gay. You could tell. It's a whisper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, and like I said, this played out in the early the mid nineties, and this the down low, it's 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 accepted into the vernacular. Oh, massively! Uh, it's it's yeah. it's oh, it's incredibly interesting. I I do know millennial, um, like yeah, millennial women, twenty five, twenty six, who really hang out with a lot of gay guys too, mm-hmm. uh, because they don't like the masculinity. See, that's how far it's gone now. Because they yeah, don't, they don't say, like masculinities. Ah, I don't like it. And I think down low, bro. I I think is is still a real thing. And it jumped, like I said, is it's the first attack me- mechanism of anybody. You know, are oh, you gay? Are oh, you gay? Yeah. He's gay. That, yeah. And it's a it's a fascinating phenomenon that somebody can call a black man gay as an attack. But also say they stand to defend a black man's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's we're going to address that in another up. show. It's totally messed up. But yeah. it's it's weird. It's weird that you know at the same time that could be an attack. Yeah, to say that and then and then, but at the same time, you say you stand with the you know the LGBT community. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? It is very crazy. Let's go and continue on. The reason why I said it's the ruse. Uh, you we're here in the next two clips. Let's listen to part one. OK, now there's another part of the story that uh, my producers to- told me Now, while they were at your house, Terry, the other day, a mm-hmm. huge bouquet of flowers arrived. Mm-hmm. That's what I was told by the producer who was there. And they were from Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Correct. Who had spent the night. Correct. He had stayed over, but he didn't spend the night. Mm-hmm. He's gay. <laughs> Laughter. Yep. <laughs> okay. Nothing happened, basically. Nothing happened. But I, but I heard there was some cuddling and bathing oh, and stuff going on. <laughs> That's what I heard. Well, you want to know what? What? We have a really big bathtub. Mm-hmm. I was on and my side and she was on her side. The thing is, is, this, is that Jonathan has seen me with my clothes off for 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And I know he doesn't have a tub where he is. Yeah. And it was sort of like closure. It's not like we're, we're rekindling what we lost. We're, it's never going to happen again. Mm-mm. It was just kind of like closure, as she said. Closure. Closure for so both are of you us. So no, are you all now uh, friends? Friends? Yeah. I, I don't want to be his like friend. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. But yeah, exactly. It's going to be weird. We're it's just, not going to be weird. 
is we're just taking our time, you know. What? Taking your time to do no, what? We're not. To kind of like. The thing is, what? To kind of like what? <laughs> to kind of like reacquaint ourselves with, with my new lifestyle and, you know, for her accepting from me for who I am, basically. Mm. And that was laughter back then, too. Interesting. Right. All of a sudden, it's all kiki. Now they kiki it up. <laughs> like, and, and when he say he's gay, could you imagine the audience going off and laughing, laughing when somebody said they're gay? No. no. But at the same time, she knew what he was, but she it was it was a boy toy. I've all, As, uh, yeah. Don Spears laid out. It's like, hey, I'll pay you. You can go out and do your thing kind of thing um, as long as you take care of me. It's called sexual survivor. We talked about this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes both ways. You have heterosexual men that participate in homosexual activities to survive. And then you have homosexual men that participate in heterosexual activities to survive. So that's that's what's going. Like I said, but this there's I don't some, want to understand. There's something, the, there's something the, about <laughs> Oprah that I've always thought was off. I no, <laughs> can't quite put my just finger on it. Something's just, just not what? right. Something's not right about her. It, it's it's <laughs> that rabbit hole goes so deep. I, 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 I don't have rope long enough uh, <laughs> to, to, to fully go down. But you got to break her off in pieces, like because that. She, her thumb is on the pulse. You're right. Of all oh, yeah. of this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the age rollout. Uh, Magic Johnson, which we didn't talk about here, because that's mm. a whole nother whole show. Nother, yeah, a whole nother part uh, of it. Yeah. And but that's why they need the down low, brother, because they couldn't say. See, Magic didn't bring it home to Cookie. Right. So they had to have an explanation mm-hmm. of how it's jumping the you know the barrier if everybody's straight. What was, the, what was the explanation again? For, what was the, ma- the explanation again for magic? No, well, what that, well, you know, it's it's she got lucky basically, <laughs> but they stayed married. Which, yeah, like I said, that's all. You don't get me. That, no, that's a another nother, show, another show. Yeah, I got you. A whole nother show. So, um, let's go ahead and wrap it up with Terry McMillan and uh and her ex husband. I've already accepted you for who you are, Jonathan. But on a different level. Yeah, but you're not gonna be. We're not gonna be kicking it. I know that we're not, but. <laughs> But it, I don't. I don't want to kick it with you. I don't. Don't take it. I'm not taking it the wrong way. I'm not. Okay. Wait, you seem frustrated. Are you? The, the thing is, is, I'm telling my side, and she's just frustrated the way I'm bringing, telling everybody my side. It's a two-way thing, you know. That's what I'm saying. She's always, always dominated the conversations with us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you feel that you were just re- you were repressing your uh, homosexuality? I was. Mm-hmm. Were you living as, a lie? As, were you yes. living a lie? But you know why? And, I, and let me just say this: think before you answer this question, right? Because there are a lot of young boys out there and girls who are watching you and right now, men. who need the truth, who need just the truth. And every time somebody tells the truth, you free other people to also be truthful and so there's no reason at this point to pretend anything so the fact that you're sitting here and the fact that you all now are on your way to whatever it is y'all on your way to (laughs) you know at least for every other gay guy out there who's repressing and his feelings and you know at least honor who you are now honor that i am honored terry give me credit i'm here on tv thank you i'm on i'm honoring my lifestyle okay it's not hard letting everybody know about your sexuality especially being gay i live the lifestyle of of a heterosexual with her Uh i loved her uh-huh. Unconditionally, up until the point 
of two yeah. years at end. I mean, two years before, before it ended. Before, before yeah. it ended. Thank yeah. you. And that's the rollout of the original super spreader right there. Wow. Okay. And it still goes on to this day. It still goes at that term. Uh, super spreader. Super spreader. I mean, no, uh, download, download brother. Bro- mm-hmm. That's, that's the equivalent. Like that's the equivalent to super spread. That's how that virus got into the heterosexual woman, black woman pool. Now it's not exclusively to black. So he, this is right. So yeah. he's a patient zero of the of the of the crossover. Yes. Wow. And, and so, men, so, like I said, but it's only heterosexual men because if you're openly gay, you know, a whole nother it's a whole nother problem. No problem. It's no problem. <laughs> exactly. That's got me a problem because on the hierarchy they rank they outrank. Yes, black women, heterosexual uh, black women. Ah. Uh. So in in final final clip is remember Oprah says there's whispers yes there's always yes. something something's off mm. a lot of women have close friends very few have friends as close as yours mm-hmm. describe that friendship to me Ooh, okay uh she is. the mother I never had. She is the sister everybody would want. She is the friend that everybody deserves. I don't know a better person. I don't know a better person. Why is it making you cry? I'm gonna cry here. Um, it's making me cry because I'm thinking about how much uh, I probably have never told her that. Tissue, please. I now need tissue. I've never told her that. So when those, to me, dumb rumors come up, mm-hmm. then you are gay. Are gay? Uh huh. Uh, what do you say? Well, I have said uh, we are not gay enough times. I'm not lesbian. I'm not even kind of lesbian. And the reason why it irritates me is because it means that somebody must think I'm lying. That's number one. Number two, why would you want to hide it? That, that, is, that is not the way I run my life. Uh, where would she be on the hierarchy if she was lesbian if she came out? Oh, she would be, uh, well, I don't know, to go this long after it was okay to come out? Hmm, that's a tough one. But she would be, oh, she would be over a gay man Mm. because she has two checks. (laughs) No, I'm saying being a woman and and gay. Yes, of course. And black with three checks. Three checks. It's It's a rare triple. Right. The only oh. thing that top her is that maybe a trans black man, <laughs> or if Oprah decided to become a man. Oh, if she if she did that, oh, <laughs> she she'd be the, the at the pinnacle of of of. But uh, uh, to put the cherry on all this to bring the circle full close, Reverend Wright's church allegedly was also set up to pair off people that were interested in same sex 
with opposite sex. Uh, um, oh, really? Yes. That's why Obama was allegedly going to that church. Right. <laughs> oh, man. You mean Barry? Just to bring, excuse me, Barry. Yeah. Barry, Barry, <laughs> Barry O. So I just bring that full circle, but that's, that's, oh, man. My, that's, this is not a COVID show. <laughs> just to remind it's people. not, but it's also, it's not a show. This show doesn't really end here, now, does it? No, it does not. It, it cannot it really end is. here because there, there is so much that you've uncovered. I really appreciate the, the helping me understand how this, um, how AIDS still, uh, the PSYOP still lives in the minds. Mm-hmm. And of course, how that affects everything that's happening right now and how pathetic all these, uh, efforts are that, uh, you know, the media efforts to try and, you know, remove vaccine hesitancy this is not hesitancy this is a baked in like valid fear and recent like you said with uh yeah. tuskegee that was decades ago right uh i mean but it's still i got uh, a groove back yeah. everybody knows that's pretty recent you know right so this is something i lived through i didn't live through tuskegee right uh i didn't live through henry Lax. i lived through this and my peers lived through this so just wanted to say that. So, Mo, thank you for this one. Uh, this is this. I'm real proud of this work, man. This is gonna. This is good. This is real. This is something that goes far beyond anything I could have imagined be achieving in this podcast. People will want to listen to this. They'll want to share because it's kind of the trifecta, and it sets you up for understanding a lot of the forces in this world and the lizard people and the lizard people. And as I always say, pay attention to everything. And the truth will reveal itself. And we will be back with you on the Lost Tapes Wednesday. Mo will be there for that, of course. Go to MoFacts.com and uh, episode number 70. Come up in the next show. Have a good one, Mo. Thank you so much, man. All right. See you next time, Adam. See you all soon. All of you ladies out there, turn up your radio.
I thought 